Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. All right, everyone, welcome back. Almost Sideways Podcast. We're uh, so glad that you're joining us. Uh, we are coming to you a little earlier than expected, far earlier than anticipated. Uh, this is a special episode of the podcast. Uh, a couple of us that host this are uh, education professionals, and as it is summer break, we realized we have a little bit more time to come to you a little more regularly over the summer. So we're going to try and make this um, a weekly thing. Uh, and we have a special episode in front of us now. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Terry Plucknett. Uh, joining me are my co-hosts, Todd Plucknett and Zach Saltz, as well as special guest Ben Brown from the Red and Brown podcast. Uh, how's it going, guys? Who goes first? Do, do, doesn't matter. Go for it, Ben. <laughs> how's, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, just wrapped up uh, right before we started rolling. You guys saw me. Uh, I was deep into uh, deep into Destiny 2 with my 10-year-old son, saving the galaxy. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. We're gonna pick that back up once he's go- uh, once uh, this wraps up. And I have a third PC right here next to me on the floor that I need to get set up for my six-year-old to join us as well. So very nice. Pretty soon this room is gonna be packed full of nerds. Nice. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Doing better things than picking up on chicks, bro. Uh, Todd, how are things going for you? Uh, they're going good. I want to wish Happy Father's Day to you and to Ben. Oh, uh, thank, thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, I've had a few margaritas today with my own father, so uh, I'm feeling pretty <laughs> good to start this podcast. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. Uh, Zach, how's it going? Good. I, I'm really jealous. How are the plans shaping up for your birthday celebration, Todd? I mean, uh. Well, we have multiple cornholes set up, and uh, we cut down some trees, so make a lot easier for the uh, the ping pong to take place. Yeah, no pine needles falling on the ping pong table this year. Can we just make this like an open invitation on the podcast? Like any any listeners welcome to Todd's birthday celebration. (laughs) That is fantastic. Fourth Federal Way, Washington. We're not giving out. We're not giving out the address, but it's up to you to find it. If you can find it, you're welcome to come up. You can probably find it. I mean, like, you know, it's a block party. It's recognizable. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, well, Zach, what are you drinking today? In honor of uh, the uh, the villain in the movie we're going to talk about who drinks a beer, apparently opens up, opens up the cap with his bare hands, I believe. Uh, I'm drinking some wonderful Sierra Nevada pale ale from the wonderful state of California, which is where the movie we're going to talk about takes place. And, uh, yeah, I need, I'm jealous of Todd right now. I'm, I'm not buzzed enough. I love how you go to Kansas to drink California beer. It's good. It's good. That's true. All right. I'm, I'm not in Kansas, by the way. I'm in uh, Lawrence, the People's Republic of Lawrence. It's not Kansas. Oh, oh it's not Kansas? No. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Todd, what are you drinking? Uh, from the Pyramid Brewing Company, right across the street from uh, T-Mobile Park, the Mariners Stadium, I'm drinking the Outburst Citrus IPA. Which is interesting. I only bought it because I thought it was the apricot version, but it's not. So it's still pretty good, though. Very good. Very good. Ben, what do you got today? Gentlemen, I am nothing if not a creature of habit. And once again today, Red Hook ESB. (laughs) Established in Seattle, Washington, 1981. 
5.8% alcohol by volume. I'm going to try to put as many of those away as I can during this episode. If my, I wish my son knew what garçon meant, so when I yell that out, he knows to bring another beer. Garçon means boy. Red Hook is the almost official sponsor of the Red and Brown podcast. It almost is. Yeah. Once, yeah, I think once we uh, get enough get enough followers on Twitter for me to start uh, rattling some cages, I'm going to try to you know rustle up a sponsor. I, I think I think you need to campaign for the Red Hook Red and Brown IPA. That's in it. That I almost said F and A without the F part. <laughs> I forgot you guys bleep stuff out on this podcast, but that's a fantastic idea. Uh, all right. Well, today I am. Uh, I think this is the first time we're all drinking beer. Uh, I cool. have a Kona Brewing Company out of Hawaii. I have their Gold Cliff IPA. Uh, it's an IPA infused with pineapple, and it's not like one of those that like tastes like alcoholic pineapples. It it it's a it's a beer. <laughs> That just kind of has a little bit of sweetness to it. It's pretty good. All right. Fantastic. So, before we get into our movie deep dive today, that's what we're going to be doing. We do have some movies that we want to review. We're not going to all review the same movie, but we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we have been watching. And I am going to go to Todd first. Uh, Todd, tell me, uh, tell us all a little bit about what you've been watching this last week. Okay, so I didn't actually get to watch a whole lot of movies. I was actually uh, watching this TV show, Fleabag, which is uh, on Amazon Prime, and I think it was originally BBC, and it is pretty fantastic. It's uh, created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and she's the uh, young uh, British comedian who star or uh who uh, created also killing eve which is the frontrunner for the emmy for best drama series this year and her character in fleabag is only known as just that fleabag she's a young london woman dealing with the death of her best friend and also in her search for happiness and like people to make fun of sort of and in her insufferable family it's the closest thing to like Woody Allen that I've ever seen on TV. It's uh, pretty remarkable, and Waller Bridge is really infectious to watch uh, on the screen, and uh, I don't think anybody else could have really played it. It's totally her. Uh, there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall, sort of like Annie Hall, and, but it's so constant and like mid-conversation that I feel like I'm watching somebody like actually do the inner monologue of like the character and the informant or something. Like It's that level of uh of just constant like knowing what's going on inside her head the the cast also has oscar winner olivia coleman who is just devious and amazing as uh the uh sort of stepmother and there's also brett gelman who i always love to watch and i think he's the only american in the show uh it's only two seasons and six episodes each season so it's not all that much of a commitment to just blow through uh i but i loved every minute of it i think i put in my top five uh sitcoms of the 2010s with like Atlanta, Master of None, Silicon Valley, and BoJack Horseman. Not necessarily in the other order, but I think it's definitely in that group. It, it's something pretty special. And uh, this this uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is also the screenwriter for the new Bond movie. So getting that spy uh, element from Killing Eve and the wittiness of this show, I think that's going to be something that I, I absolutely have to see. And I can't wait. Even though the production is kind of like screwed up right now, I can't wait to see what it eventually... Uh, uh, ends up looking like, and I'm not really into like rating TV shows, but I mean it would be like a high three and a half star m- movie if it was a movie. It's uh it's something pretty pretty special. I think everyone should watch it. All right, have yeah, any I, of you guys seen this? 
I saw the first two episodes, and I would agree with Todd. I really liked it. It feels like it's on the cusp of like being extremely well known and extremely uh, highly regarded. Although I think with TV, everyone likes to be like a little ahead of the curve. So you know, like it's just at the end of being trendy to say Fleabag is a cool show. In about three months, it's going to be passe. So like now's the time to to, to jump in on it. Um, but I would I would agree with Todd. I, I really liked what I saw. I thought the actress is really really good in it. Very funny stuff. Yeah, well, there were three three years between seasons too, so it was sort of like one of those things where the fans brought it back. It seems like I mean I, I don't think it was planned to have a second season even necessarily because this was originally based on her uh, single woman stand up show, and so. Uh, it uh it eventually got expanded because people loved the first season so much, but the second season is even better. All right, all right. Uh, I'm gonna go to Ben. Ben, what have you been watching over the last week? Um, well, I watched a uh, classic with my kids again, uh, Toy Story. I don't know if I can say anything original about that film that hasn't already been said. It's still good. One I saw new that I thought was like I it was just an unintentional comedy, but uh, Knock Knock starring Keanu Reeves. I just nice. thought it was it was just it was just like it was just ridiculous. I don't know really how else to describe that film. Um, it, uh, so what my friend, one of my buddies, I was talking to about it. He said it's as close to Nicolas Cage as Keanu Reeves can get. And so it's like, <laughs> like I and so I saw, but he told me that before I saw the film. And so I was watching this. I was like, yeah, there's very like parts where he definitely turns it up to eleven. And it was, it just was. The whole thing about it was just, it was, you could see everything from a mile away was the problem with this movie. And it was just uh, generally uninteresting. Uh, Keanu Reeves was just, I mean, he was, all the parts where he got super intense and was screaming, I just started laughing. Like, I didn't take any of the parts seriously at all. There was nothing that seemed, you know, genuinely urgent about the film or at least, or the situation that uh, Keanu's character finds himself in. I mean, it's just, he gets, he gets duped by a couple of dummies. And I just don't get it. The whole movie just it just unbelievable throughout, and yeah, it just it made me think when uh, I, I talked to my friend about it after this movie. I was like, he turned it up to he turned it up to Cage on this on this movie. I thought of that scene in Spinal Tap where he says, "Well, why don't you just make ten louder?" And he goes, "Well, this goes up to 11. I always imagine for actors that eleven just being Nicolas Cage's crazy-eyed face he makes in Face Off. Just like whenever an actor turns it up, their version of turning it up to 11 is just Nicolas Cage's crazy face. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's but like yeah, Eli Roth movie. It's just, I mean, it's, I don't know, man. It's just, it's comical. Keanu Reeves is fully is comical one, in that movie. Isn't one of the actresses in that movie Eli Roth's wife? Do I have that right? Maybe. Man, I, I hope not. Uh, could be. Is her last name Roth or does she keep her original last name? I, I have no clue. <laughs> I, I do think it's really interesting, though, that you compare Keanu Reeves with Nicolas Cage because um, I've been told that my impersonation of Nicolas Cage is the same as my impersonation of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a bomb on this bus, man. I, th- I think there are overlaps. It could be. Dude, that doesn't sound like either of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, well it's that good speed. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't really sound like it. Do, it doesn't. Oh. It doesn't sound like anything. I don't even know what that sounds like. Uh, all right, Zach. Why don't you tell us what you've been watching this week? 
Okay, well, this week I saw the uh, new movie Late Night that was just released uh, a couple days ago in theaters, starring Mindy Kaling and uh, Emma Thompson. And it's sort of like a post-Me Too uh, take on uh, writer's rooms on comedy shows. And so the premise is that Emma Thompson is this uh, late-night TV host who is um, really revered and long-standing but not really hip and trendy. And as an example of that, she doesn't have any female writers in her writer's room. In fact, she doesn't really communicate with her writers at all. So enter Mindy Kaling, who also wrote this movie and based it loosely off of her actual experience uh, as an intern on the Conan O'Brien show. And in Late Night, she plays a, uh, a woman who has no comedy experience really at all, writing. Uh, she works in a factory, but she's kind of plucked off uh, and hired as the de designated minority. And the movie kind of makes a recurring joke about that. And um, the movie sort of, it, it kind of turns into like a Devil Wears Prada type uh, relationship between the Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling characters. Uh, Emma Thompson is this, you know, very like egocentric, uh, sort of aloof, but um, very intimidating uh, figure that Mindy Kaling is always seeking respect from. Um, and then ultimately it sort of becomes that Mindy Kaling is the one who actually deserves more respect because she's a little bit more uh, with it. Um, I, I really like the premise of this film. It's the first film that I can really think of that really tackles this issue of uh, representation in the writer's room and being inclusive. And I really like Mindy Kaling. Um, but I felt like this movie was fairly uneven throughout. Um, I wish it was... F I mean, I, I really hate saying this, but like the movie wasn't really that funny. Um, it was hard to believe Emma Thompson would be a highly respected late night comedian because the jokes that she says in this movie aren't really that funny. And I get that she's like a, supposed to be a struggling comedian until Minnie Kaling is brought onto this, onto the, into the writer's room. But even once she enters the writer's room, it's not like the comedy gets that much better. Basically, she turns into a glorified Jimmy Fallon with these sort of like uh, gags and skits and, uh, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, interviewing the audience. It's like, that's the radical thing to do to make you a relevant comic in 2019. Um... The movie has a good message, and it's a, and it's a pointed message, and I like it. It's just, uh, I, I, ironically enough, it's the writing that kind of fails. It's like uh, the, the, the plot not just only being derivative of The Devil Wears Prada also kind of meanders, and it has this, it, it tries to like turn the Emma Thompson character midway through into David Letterman because she has to deal with a sex scandal, and um, it's just sort of awkward, and it doesn't feel quite right. It feels like this movie is overly ambitious and trying to tackle too many issues. Um, and I guess in, in a way, like, it's a good thing that it's trying to tackle those issues. But at the same time, uh, I wish the movie had been more centered around the relationship between these two characters, both of whom are played by actors that I really like and admire. But in this movie, they aren't really given a whole lot to, uh, I don't know, to, to develop. And I worry that this movie kind of reinforces the negative stereotype that, you know, like, you know, SNL people said in the 80s, 90s, 80s and 90s, you know, women aren't funny. You can't write funny female characters. And, um... I, obviously that's that's a lie but like this movie is not evidence that you know you can write funny character funny female characters I don't know I, it's just a very mixed bag for me because I like the ambition of the movie but the actual execution of it left a lot to be desired so two and a half stars and then prior to this podcast I was asked by Ben to review 16 candles which I saw last week and apparently Ben saw last week I'd never seen it before and I'm gonna keep my review short with that it's like an 80s movie it's super super 80s I don't watch a lot of 80s movies um, and uh, I found it dated and uh, but I did like the Anthony Michael Hall character
And that's all I'm going to say about that in the words of Forrest Gump. <laughs> all right. All right. <clears throat> so uh, I have a few movies I want to highlight here. First, just to mention, I've done, uh, I had my, uh, my TCM watch of the week where I watched uh, 1939's Only Angels Have Wings. Uh, Howard Hawks movie with uh, Cary Grant, Gene Arthur, uh, Rita Hayworth, and Thomas Mitchell. It's a solid movie, solid three-star movie, but it once again confirms to me that Thomas Mitchell, had him in 1939 was the greatest year ever for an actor with, uh, with Gone with the Wind and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and then winning Best Supporting Actor for Stagecoach, and now we have him in this, which is another really solid movie from that year. No, that, that's the best year for any actor, like, ever. And, and you're drawn to him no matter what he's in. So uh, I really like that one. I also uh, recently watched uh, the 2013 movie Mud with uh, Matthew McConaughey. I watched that for the first time. Absolutely loved it. Three and a half star movie. Uh, this was always looked at as the movie that turned McConaughey and everyone realized he could act. And it, that's absolutely what it was. So he, he's amazing in it. A young Ty Sheridan does a great job. And it reminded me of something that uh, was another thing I didn't like about Dark Phoenix and that is Ty Sheridan's a really good actor, but he's a guy that acts a lot with his eyes. So let's make him Cyclops so his eyes are covered up constantly throughout the entire movie so it looks like he doesn't act. Uh, that, that's kind of what I, what I got out of that. But uh, Mud is an awesome movie. Um, but the movie I really want to focus on uh, is Rocket Man, the, uh, the uh, biopic, music biopic about Elton John starring Taron Egerton. Uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher. Um, it kind of goes through the, the highs and lows of Elton John's career. Uh, as I'm watching this movie, it's kind of impossible not to compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody uh, because uh, it's, it's a very similar thing. You've got this, uh, hit, this music biopic of a 70s and 80s rock star that is very flamboyant on stage uh, and... Um, and kind of the highs and lows of his personal life and his his career. Uh, also, you have this directed by Dexter Fletcher, who was the one that finished Bohemian Rhapsody for Brian Singer. So you definitely have these comparisons to be drawn. Um, Rocket Man kind of went. It was weird. It kind of went for a more traditional biopic while also trying to make itself something different. Um, and it, it just kind of seemed forced when it did that. Uh, the very first scene you have uh, you you have Taron Egerton walk in as Elton John and he ends up talking to a child version of himself and I'm thinking okay are we just watching Beyond the Sea because that's exactly what happened in the first scene of that um, but it it does some interesting things visually um, I would put it right it's it's basically the same movie as Bohemian Rhapsody it's just put in Elton John songs instead of uh, instead of Queen songs uh, and it's very similar in the fact that all of its uh, everything that this movie has going for it comes from the leading performance. Taron Egerton is incredible and disappears into the roles in a similar way that Rami Malek disappeared into the Freddie Mercury role. Um, and I would even say he might be better because he actually sang all of his songs where Rami Malek didn't. So uh, I thought I thought it, it was it was an okay movie carried by an otherworldly performance that uh 
if, I mean, if, if Rami Malek won an Oscar for Bohemian Rhapsody, Taron Edgerton should at least be nominated for Rocket Man. I'm giving it, I'm giving it three stars simply because of the performance and because I like the music so much. Uh, it also did a little bit of kind of like an across the universe type of thing where it tried to turn his music into telling the story of his life and make it almost like a musical that way. Uh, which was interesting, and it worked sometimes, and sometimes it didn't. But uh, but again, amazing performance, okay movie, giving it three stars. Have any of you guys seen Rocket Man yet? No. Nope. No, I figured it would just be Bohemian Rhapsody Part Two, it, it, so I just figured I could wait to see it till it comes out on for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I wanted to see the gay sex in it. Is it wor- Is you know? Does it earn its R rating? <laughs> eh. How, yeah, eh. what, how would you compare it to uh, Behind the Candelabra? I never saw Behind the Candelabra. If Behind the but, Candelabra is um, 10, oh, Bohemian Lord. Rhapsody is 1, where is it? It, <laughs> it, it definitely has more than uh, more than Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, the, the R rating was more from, I, I would say, more from the language than, than, the, than the sexual content. That's disappointing. But, um, now I don't want to uh, see it. <laughs> Yeah, and and you had some decent uh, supporting roles. Jamie Bell played Bernie Toppin, his lyricist. Um, Richard Madden from Game of Thrones played the uh, the uh, his his love interest for part of the movie. Um, and uh, so yeah, no, it, it's it's a decent movie. It's a decent movie. But yeah, al- along the same lines as Bohemian Rhapsody, I almost wish this would have come out earlier because I I kind of like this one a little more than Bohemian Rhapsody uh, because I think Edgerton's performance is better than Malick's. So. Do you like Elton John more than Queen? Oh, that's a tough call. That's a really tough call. I would say performance-wise, I would say performance-wise, Freddie Mercury is probably top three frontmen of all time. Yeah. But, I mean, it... So, I don't, I don't, and I don't think Elton John can really touch him from uh, performance-wise. Music, I mean, that's different. They both have amazing, amazing, amazing music. But as far as performance-wise go, I think Freddie Mercury is just next level. I, I, I'd agree with that. Performance value, you got to go Queen. Uh, music and just, like, depth of music, I would probably go Elton John because he's got some mm. just amazing music with really deep lyrics where Queen is more rock anthem. Rock and roll. Sorry, you got to bleep that out, but I can't say rock and roll without <laughs> it. Prefacing it with the F word. Yeah, when, uh, I, when I first met Terry in like 2006, I still remember the first time being in his car, he was blasting Elton John. So if you're being <laughs> honest, bla- honest with yourself, had, Terry, El- you have to pick Elton John. I, I do he not remember that, rock. but that's, that's amazing. He crocodile rock crank. You don't remember that? You, you had the best of Elton John in your car on, on Oh, I, rem- I know I had that in the car. I don't remember the first time you got in my car. It was blasting out, though. That's hilarious. Okay, maybe that's a bit exaggerated, but it was definitely there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It had to be there. All right. Well, let's get into our, uh, our topic for the day and, uh, and looking at uh, a classic movie... A classic uh, action flick that is celebrating its 25th anniversary. I think it did just a few days ago of its release. And that is Speed. Keanu Reeves. Dennis Hopper. Sandra Bullock. Pop quiz. You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? Speed. Get ready for Rush Hour. Directed by Jan DeBont, starring Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, uh, Dennis Hopper, 
Jeff Daniels, a bunch of other people that we're going to get into. Uh, this is like one of Zach's all-time favorite movies. And so we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be looking at that, and and I know I know uh, Ben really likes this movie a lot as well. That's why we invited him on to talk about Speed. But before we get into any conversation about Speed, uh, we are going to go through some trivia about this movie. So uh, Todd has prepared a a trivia quiz here, and we're gonna go through each of us, uh, the three of us, one at a time, and he's gonna ask his questions, and we're gonna see how it goes. Uh, I think what we're going to do is, Todd, why don't you start, uh, you'll start with Ben, and then I'll go to me, and then I'll go to Zach, because Zach is the expert, and he's going to blow us all out of the water anyways. Um, so, so, uh, so Zach and I are, are going to uh, unplug, and we're going to go away for a little bit, and then uh, when you give the thumbs up, I'll come back, and you'll ask me the questions, and then when, you give, when we give the thumbs up again, Zach will come back, and he'll, uh, he'll beat us all. All right. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, good luck. Hey, this other question is like, who's the freaking like lead audio designer on the film? Is it? <laughs> no, nothing like that. <laughs> All right, so there are ten questions with a possible, oh, I believe, uh, thirteen points. Okay. Okay. So uh, these are somewhat obscure, but not to the point that if you watched it, you couldn't get it. But I mean, okay. I wouldn't be able to get it. I watched it twice in the last three days, and I, I don't think I'd get some of these. Okay. But okay. The first question is, how many people were there on the elevator? Thirteen. Okay. Uh, that's correct. Uh, what does Howard's jumpsuit name tag say during the elevator hijacking? I'm sorry, who'd you say? Oh, uh, Dennis Hopper's character. Yeah. Um, what, what is the name tag on his jumpsuit? Oh man, oh man, it's it's all you can see it clearly a number of times. I don't know, man. You can see it clearly a number of times though. Okay. It, it is Atlas. Oh. Okay. How long was Howard setting up the elevator job? Two years. Okay, that's correct. Uh, where does Howard say the twenty-five twenty-five bus is located in Venice? Like what street you mean? Yeah, the the oh, is the it? intersection of what two streets? Oh, it's Ventura and something else, I think, but I'm not sure. I could be totally wrong, but it's a, for some reason Ventura is standing out. That's no, not right. Okay. It's the corner of uh, Ocean Park and Maine. Okay. Okay, what is the license plate on the Jaguar? Uh, it says Tune Man. T-U-N-E Man. That is correct. What is Harry's last name? Oh my god. It's Jack Traven and Harry... Harry Tasker is Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies. Harry... I don't know, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold up the show with me trying to guess his last name. Okay, it's... Uh, oh, I knew it was a T! I knew it was a T! I know you did. <laughs> All right, what does the sign say on Harry's desk, and what movie it is it? It says, uh, go ahead, make my day, and it's uh, freaking Clint Eastwood's Dirty Harry character. I'm not sure which film exactly. Is it 44 Magnum, maybe? Do I have to know the same? Or, uh, okay. oh. 
Yeah, you got. I mean, yeah, you got the character, Ma but it's not. What is it? Uh, is it? Is it Magnum Force? Two points. Oh, it's sudden man. impact. Okay, so right, you got cool. one of the two on that one. Okay, what did the advertisement say on the back of the bus, and what was the advertisement for? I don't know, man. I, it's like it's right. It's I can see it in my head, but I, for some reason I just can't put the imagery on it. I, I don't know. I'm getting every other question on this. Uh, it says money isn't everything. Yeah, right. And it's yeah. for the Santa Monica Bank. Yes. Gosh. Okay. What was the airline of the plane that exploded? Oh, Pacific. Oh crap, dude. Cause I. Oh man, it's in yellow and green. <laughs> it's Pacific something airline or Pacific group. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's three words. It's Pacific Couriers. Oh, Pacific Couriers. Oh, man. <laughs> and the final question is, what is the Boy Scout, Boy Scout marching song? The Boy Scout marching song? I have no effing clue. That is, be prepared. And that's what he says oh, the when Boy he brings out the bomb. Oh, that's the marching song. I thought that was their motto. I thought the marching song was something different. I knew their motto was be prepared, yeah. But I thought the marching song was something different. I thought they had a song. Anyways. Well, that's what he says when he comes out. I, I don't know what if I get, like, four true. right? I got, like, four out of ten? <laughs> yeah, four out of, yeah, well, 13 points, four out of ten questions. Cool. Left. Right on. All right. Bring back another person. Here comes Terry. All right. All right. Terry. This was so a fun one, man. We have ten questions for a possible 13 points. Ben got four questions or four answers right so you got four points four points okay okay N question number one is how many people were on the elevator uh seven there were 13 the other holy cow the other lucky number yeah <laughs> okay what does howard's jumpsuit say uh, his name tag say during the elevator hijacking. Oh, electrician. His name tag. A oh, name tag. Okay. Eric. I don't know. <laughs> Close. It said. It said. It said Atlas. <laughs> With all lowercase letters for some reason. Okay. Okay. You probably uh, save. You probably save is, money from the embroidery shop if you do it all lowercase. Apparently, yeah, maybe. I don't know. How long was Howard setting up the elevator job? Three years. It's two years. Duh! Uh, where does Howard say the 2525 bus is located in Venice? On the corner of... Is it Oak Park? And there's two. This oh, it gives two, two. Oh gosh, you're close. <laughs> but you're not gonna get it. Then. <laughs> no. It's the corner of Ocean Park. Ocean and Park in Maine. And yes, that was because of your uh, the rock question, by the way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay. What is on the Jaguar's license plate? I don't know. I have no clue. Toon Man. What is Harry's last name? Yeah. Uh, 
Roberts? <laughs> I have no clue. Temple. Temple. Okay, what does the sign say on Harry's desk, and what movie is it a reference to? <laughs> oh, man. I have... I don't know. I don't know. It says, go ahead, make my day. Oh. And it, it's from Sudden Impact, the Dirty Harry yeah. saga. Okay, uh, what did the advertisement say on the back of the bus, and what uh, was the advertisement for? No clue. It says, money isn't everything, yeah, right, and it's for the Santa Monica Bank. <laughs> I'd be surprised if Zach got that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll be a tough one for him. Okay, what was the airline of the plane that exploded? Uh, Pacific Airways? Pacific Couriers. Ah! Give me half. I get half a point for that. I get half if a he, point. If yeah, he, so do I, then. Ben got half, too. <laughs> oh, Ben got half, too. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the Boy Scout, Boy Scout marching song? What? I don't know. It's Be Prepared. That's what uh. he walks out. He says that. Be prepared, the Boy Scout March song, as he's, like, coming out in the, by the subway with the ball. Okay, okay. Okay, so you got zero points. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did. Okay. And we will bring Zach let, 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 let me just preface, this was all, I, I, watching this was the second time I'd ever seen this movie, and it had been, like, Same. 12 years since the last time, so. Same. Yeah. yeah. All right. I watched it twice in three days. Okay. All right, Zach. Zach, you have not a whole lot of room to uh, make up. Ben got four points. Terry got zero points. There are zero. ten questions in a possible 13 go, points Terry. total. Okay. Cheers. Holy crap. <laughs> okay, 13 zero. possible points, ten questions. The first question is, how many people were on the elevator? Oh, that's a great question. Eleven. There were thirteen. Ah. How, did, and that was did the you one count? Ben got absolutely immediately. <laughs> they said it. Did, they like, said it in the award. It in I was movie? almost getting done saying the question. They the said answer. it in the award ceremony when they gave him the medal. Ah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Oh. The only. Okay. Yeah. I. I okay. I said seven. Okay. More what seven. does Howard's jumpsuit name tag say during the elevator hijack? Atlas. <laughs> Okay, that is one point correct for Zach. How long was he setting up the elevator job? Two years. Two points. That was the closest I got to actually getting <laughs> an answer. An entire year off. I said three years. <laughs> he has nothing to do in his retirement. Like, I know. Yeah, I could have said like 90 <laughs> days. I mean, I, I, I got something. Okay, where does Howard say the 2525 bus is located in Venice? A uh, corner of Ocean Park. And... Uh, Maine? That's correct. That's four points. <laughs> hey, it's honestly, if you're talking about a movie, it's a 50-50 chance that it's, something's on Main you Street. Know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a muddled line, but okay. It's hard to hear. It's okay, on the phone. what is on the Jaguar's license plate? Two man. Correct. Uh, what is Harry's last name? Oh, Temple. Correct. And now it's six points. Uh, what does the sign say on Harry's desk, and what movie is it a reference to? Yeah, it's um, Go Ahead, Make My Day, and it's Dirty Harry. Uh, the wrong movie. It is Sudden Impact, oh, but yeah, the right character. Give me That's a what break. I said too, man. 
Hey. <laughs> oh, I said two. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what did the advertisement say on the back of the bus, and what is it an uh, advertisement for? Uh, 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 money isn't everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's, and what is it an advertisement for? It's for Santa Monica Bank, I Ooh, think. Ooh, Todd said you were going to get that and the, one. And the, the one on the <laughs> other side is like a zebra stripe. Yeah, yeah, it's And then on, on, the, on the bus that Bob is in that blows up at the beginning of the movie, there's an advertisement for like the Newport Jazz Festival. Hey, why do Which bus I always tri- found intriguing. Hey, why did he also? Why was he wearing gloves? I never understood why that. That bus is driver a great question. I think drivers just wear gloves. It's got to. No you man, know, maybe I've, the material gets. I've seen less than one bus Sam driver wear, wear a pair of gloves, <laughs> except for that dude in that movie. That's, that's just a weird choice. And he also put them on awkwardly. They weren't on all the way when he grabbed his coffee. So it's like that's just. Did the gloves survive the explosion though? That's the real question. Are they going to collect all the bus driver's teeth or gloves? No, that's how they identified him. They had to scrape his hands from out of the inside of those gloves. Is this all? Are you still have questions, Todd? (laughs) Yeah, there are more questions. Okay. (laughs) Okay, what was the airline of the plane that exploded? Uh, Pacific Courier. That's correct. Stop answering. And the last question is. Which neither of them had any idea what I was talking about is what is the Boy Boy Scout marching song? Well, the Boy Scout. Well, he says, I mean, it's the Boy Scout marching song, and he holds the. I don't know what. I guess I don't understand your question. It's in dispute, by the way. It's the motto, not the marching song. I don't know why he says it's the marching song. The script supervisor (laughs) messed up on that one. Yeah, Joss <laughs> Whedon, Graham Yost. What does he, what does he say? What, what does he say the Boy Scout marching song is? It's the Boy Scout marching song. Um, I don't know. I, I, don't, that, that's, I don't know. I give up. I've already Be won. Prepared. <laughs> Be prepared. Be prepared. That's what he says. <laughs> so, uh, Zach ended up with 10 out of 13 points, Ben had four, and Terry did not score a point. You couldn't even get the question about Toon Man, Terry? Uh, no, no. Wow. <laughs> what kind of car was it? I, I, I knew it was a Jaguar. I said the car in the... Yeah, yeah I knew that V12. much. I knew that much. The V12 Jaguar convertible. I knew I knew Harry had a desk. You, did, <laughs> you didn't know his last name, though. Or the, sitting, hey, the model think. on his desk, which is... Know, give it, it given like that, three times. Like it's a yellow little yellow circle. <laughs> given that Jeff Daniels' name in both Dumb and Dumber and Speed is Harry, I should have I should have said Dunn. I should have said his name I'm, is Harry Dunn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm inclined to think that he faked his death in that house explosion to go undercover to take down that uh, that uh, guy who was trying to. And that is what I was thinking kill. for uh, yeah. conspiracy theories. <laughs> so thank you. Nothing is fun. <laughs> Nothing is funner than cross-universe exploration. I love it. When, when Harry gets drunk, he sounds just like he does in Dumb and Dumber, and that's why I started thinking about. <laughs> he went character. home and all that all that alcohol he drank. He went home and had one of those diarrhea sessions in his in his home. That'll be fun well, too. And you yeah, never you never actually see him pit. die, and that that's like a big thing and like true thing. So I mean, he could still be alive and just like move to Rhode Island, and then uh, he's Harry Dunn after that. Hey, speaking of Harry almost dying. Like, why did Jack shoot him on the inside of his leg where his arteries? Okay, wait a second. Like, shoot are him on the outside. Hit, hit him in the muscle, a big, meaty flesh wound. <laughs> okay. Are versus, really like, hitting this? him in the artery and, like, are having him bleed out. Are conspiracy theories already? Like, that's not cool, man. You shoot him in, like, <laughs> shoot him in the calf. 
He shot him in the upper leg where there's a major blood supply for his body. It's like, hey, man, be a better friend and a better cop. Shoot him in the ankle or something. And then He'll he just fall shrugs down it off, just like, the same. Uh, yeah, sorry, bro. Yeah. Okay. And then he was like okay, running through the room, office. Though. The next, like a couple weeks later, he was running through the office after being shot in the well, thigh. He, he, okay. he says, wait for me. Wait, yeah. uh, wait for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, let me, really let me go. Help. Then he's let me go like breach he's on a, a SWAT team. <laughs> yeah, let me go breach a house with a bullet wound in my thigh. <laughs> all right, all right. We're, we're, let's get let's get back to that in a little bit. But let let's actually like formally formally introduce our movie here before we get Hell too yeah. deep into all these details. Ooh, what movie are so, we reviewing? Are... Do we know? <laughs> <laughs> it's Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So so Zach, since you won our trivia, tell us uh, uh, what makes you love Speed so much. How you got in? How how this movie came came up for you and what it's all about. I mean, honestly, Speed is probably, like, my favorite movie. I mean, I remember when I told Todd that it was my number one of 1994. I think he cast doubt on our friendship when he heard that. Um, well, Shawshank Redemption came out that same year, so, I mean, like... Yes, you know. yes, it did. <laughs> that was some loud, blowing nose. Jeez. Jeez, sorry, sorry. <laughs> he, has an, he has an ice chest next to his desk. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> That's a nice move, man, as Toon Man would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I just, I love this movie. Um, it doesn't grow old. You know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a bus driver because I saw this movie. And, um, you know, when you're on the autism spectrum, kind of like I am, you know, I would just like sit out in the backyard in like a wicker chair and just pretend I was a bus driver and then pretend that I had to keep my speed above 50 miles an hour. I mean, I was like obsessed with this movie. Apparently, I, I rode my bike out to Beaverton once and bought the DVD at a Best Buy in Beaverton only to find that it wasn't there. I don't remember this alleged event, but... Um, you totally did. It, you totally I did. absolutely believe it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I finally convinced Terry to watch this movie back when we were in college together, and he still thinks Die Hard's a better movie, which is, which is okay, but uh, Speed's the better movie, and um, it's maybe the best movie ever made. <laughs> maybe the best movie ever made. Okay. No, you're right. I, can't, I got a full. In. It's the best movie ever made. I'm I'm saying it the, right right here. It's the best movie ever made by someone named Jan Debont. Or Jan. <laughs> yeah, anyone who's ever been named Jan, it's the best movie who's ever been by anyone who's ever been named Jan. I wonder if Jan Winter ever <laughs> directed a movie. Probably not. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I'll say since since it's going off of that. So yes, Zach forced me to watch this movie in college. And 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 I liked it, and it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And then I watched it just like four hours ago. <laughs> and those are my two viewings of this movie. <laughs> and that's it. I, I, that's the only times I've seen it. And, and I mean, it, it's, it's a good movie. It, it's, it's, a, it's fairly corny at times as it's just your, your kind of typical, you know, late 80s, early 90s action flick. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's entertaining. Uh, but yeah, it, it's not definitely not up there like it is for uh, for Zach. Todd, what about you? Uh, similar to Terry, I had seen it one time, and then for this podcast, I was I, I uh, reserved a copy at the library, and somehow there's still like eleven holds on three copies of this movie. So it took a while for me to actually get it, and I watched it once uh, sober and once not so sober to prepare for this, and uh, 
I'm not really sure my opinion has changed all the months in all three times I watched it. I still think it's kind of lousy, but I mean, it's fun to watch, I guess. I mean, I did I slipped through it twice, so it should be interesting to talk about. That's terrible. You guys suck. <laughs> where's where's your fun spirit in life? <sighs> all right, Ben, what about you? What's your experience with speed? The Man, movie. So, before <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for t- tell us thank about you for specifying. It. Thank you for putting a context on that question. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> so, man, before this movie came out, I was a massive fan of Bill and Ted. I loved Keanu Reeves from that. Um, me being a lifelong fan of sci-fi and seeing, I've, I've conservatively before I saw Speed, I saw Bill and Ted again conservatively two dozen times. So I, I loved Keanu Reeves, freaking, that's my first exposure ever to George Carlin. Uh, Alex Winter is, like, I mean, who else could be Bill S. Preston Esquire? But, I mean, when Speed came out, it was, I just, like, the guy from Bill and Ted is now in an action film. It had, when I was very young, I don't know if I should have seen uh, Apocalypse Now. I don't know if, I didn't see the entire film, but I saw enough of it to know that Dennis Hopper was in that before I'd seen Speed. So I mean I thought he was I thought he was an excellent I thought I was really excited to see him in it like that guy who was that crazy psycho in the jungle is now some main villain with the horrible hey are we gonna get into his horrible prosthetic Yeah yeah we can get yeah, into okay. that okay, yeah thank you all right well I want to get into it now we, we, we can get into whatever whatever we want that's kind of how all the right, podcast cause, works because his his prosthetic is offensive <laughs> but uh, but I was just super excited to see this film I mean I've seen I, I've seen it dozens of times again i watched it i started it yesterday i finished it today i love this film it's one of my all-time favorite action films i am fully on board with zach for his excitement with this film i love everything about it there's not uh there's even there's some cheese with it but you know cheese tastes good it's one of my favorite foods so i will take that gladly when i watch this film i i own a a, two dvd copies of this movie a blu-ray and a vhs copy as you should I own oh, the soundtrack right. you, too, a CD you, of the soundtrack. You almost, you, had you a VHS almost, at some point. Yeah, you, yeah. you almost sent a copy to Todd when it wasn't going to come in time on the, from the library. I'm gonna go yeah. to, I'm gonna go buy a VCR and convert my DVD to a VHS, so I can just have all three formats. There you Blu-ray, go. DVD, and VHS, and on digital on a USB drive. You know, you joke about that, but the VHS <laughs> is a little different because the opening sequence of the movie, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, it's in like widescreen on the VHS, and then the widescreen goes away when it's the op- when it like turns into you know the scene with Atlas fixing the elevator. That's I know, it's so compelling. I'm sorry. It's gonna be a lot of geeking out on this podcast. <laughs> All right, well, uh, well, let's hop into our first category. Is always uh, uh, highest war performance. So. Uh, for those that don't know, and I'm not sure if Ben even knows, so war is used is a uh, short for wins above replacement. It's usually a sports stat on basically who's the most irreplaceable person uh, on a sports team. We talk about it in terms of movies of who's the most irreplaceable actor or uh, in this movie and the character that they are playing. Hmm. So, highest war performance, Todd. I'm gonna go to you first. What do you think? Uh, for me, it's got to be Dennis Hopper. Pop quiz, hot shot. Terrace holding a police hostage. He's got enough dynamite strapped to his chest to blow a building in half. Now, what do you do? There's going to be 50 cops waiting for you in the basement. Oh, 
standard flanking deployment, right? Well, maybe we'll get off on the third floor, huh? That's what they'll think. I mean, he's played this sort of diabolical villain before in, like, Blue Velvet, and even more so similarly in Land of the Dead. And I, I just ha find it hard to imagine anybody else looking and sounding as horrible as he does, uh, get, especially in the circumstances of what he's dealing with. I, Dennis Hopper is crazy in this movie, and I, I, I love every moment of it. It's a good call. It's a good call. Uh, ben, who would you say is the most irreplaceable uh, actor in this? You know, it's it's interesting that you ask this question because I thought about this while I was watching the movie. I was like, who like who else could I put in any of these spots? And a lot of them seemed, you know, easily easily it could be easily shifted around. Um, but this film arguably launched Sandra Bullock's career. Excuse me, are you out of your mind? Hello. Everybody, I'm Jack Travin, LAPD. We have a slight situation on the bus here. Ma'am, if you'll please sit down no, and deal I with this. No, I won't sit in. You're scaring the shit out of these people. Ma'am, please. This was a vehicle, or this was a launch pad for Sandra Bullock being America's sweetheart. I don't know who else I would put in the driver's seat of the bus after that gangbanger shot Sam and almost made him bleed out in the bus. So, as as good of a, as a villain as Dennis Hopper was as Howard Payne, I would I I think that uh, Sandra Bullock's Annie is irreplaceable in this film. That's another good answer. It's a good answer. She's a wildcat, bro. Uh, Zach. She's a wildcat. <laughs> She's a wildcat. Zach, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to 100% agree with Ben. I mean, I'd like to play contrarian, but I can't. It's it's Sandra Bullock. Miss, can you handle this bus? Oh, sure. It's just like driving a really big Pinto. I need to know. Can you handle this I'm bus? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Just tell me what the plan is. Okay. Is there a plan? Just for you to drive. We're okay for now. Just keep us above 50. Okay, if, if you're looking at the definition of war, you know, above replacement, well, you know what? They made a Speed 2, and they did it without Keanu, <laughs> and they did it without Dennis Hopper, they couldn't do... Yeah, they got Defoe and Patrick, yeah, you know? Yeah, because Dennis Hopper died. Well, like, allegedly, just died. like Jeff Daniels hey, allegedly He got beheaded, died. just like we've had several podcasts now that we've re reviewed movies <laughs> where people's heads come off, like Boogie Nights. <laughs> now, uh, there's another one. Yeah, there's one in uh, in The Rock. I mean, this could be getting, like, this is like an issue now. <laughs> <laughs> well... He could have been somebody well, else. You can't replace Sandra Bullock because, like, first of all, I mean, who who brings the kind of humor and spunk to that role while being as, like, good-looking as she is? But, like, also conceivable mm -hmm. that she would be on a bus? I mean, the only other actresses who were, like, seriously considered for the role were uh, Ellen DeGeneres, which has been much discussed when she's had Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves on her show, and Halle Berry. Um, originally, the role of Annie was meant to be a stand-up comic, which is always kind of interesting. Um, but, like, I, this is Sandra Bullock's all-time best role. I mean, yeah, she won an Oscar for The Blind Side, but she should have won blind, the, the, the Oscar for this. I mean, she's amazing in this movie, and you cannot tell the story of Speed without Sandra Bullock. No other actress could, could, mm -hmm. could play that role with the kind of humor, the kind of sexiness, the kind of charm, and the, the amazing driving skills. 
Hey, and yeah, thank you. And what's another, that's another thing I forgot to mention while I was talking about uh, Sandra Bullock in this particular uh, role is the range that she expressed. It, it, granted, there are so many points where you could look at it and say this is a cheesy action film, but she offers genuine range with her character's performance for everything from extreme uh, from e- extreme fear to. Uh, she's she's crying. She's laughing. There's all these different things. She takes us through an entire roller coaster of it, and she's honestly the only person on there aside from Alan Rux Stevens, who I think is the same character as freaking Cameron from Ferris Bueller on that bus. They're, they're, those are the only two. Those are the two most believable characters on that entire bus. You don't think anybody else could have played that part? I mean, even at the time, like you don't think Jennifer Jason Lee would have been totally easy. Like that would have <laughs> no. been an easy role for. Her. No, how dare like, you? No. <laughs> absolutely like i thought for a second there i thought you were gonna say alicia silverstone whoa <laughs> uh, she would have been a little underage yeah that's true she could well, have had her driver's license by paul rudd was 25 when he was in that movie and, well technically sandra bullock didn't have a driver's license either no in the, in the movie right oh um elizabeth shoe could have played it no, mm. Julia Roberts could. Yeah, I mean, it. of course, Julia Roberts on an LA City bus. Give me a. Yeah, break. no one would believe that's, Elizabeth yeah, Shue was like insane. Again, if 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 people thought if people saw Elizabeth Shue on a bus, she would they would think that she was on her way to uh, Las Vegas to run into a uh, friggin' Nick Cage. All right, so uh, so for me, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at this and and really, the the two you guys have mentioned are 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 the best answers because. Honestly, almost everybody else in this movie is pretty replaceable. <laughs> and uh, you have, I mean, Keanu does 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 his thing, but there's there's a lot of people who could have slid into yeah. that role. Um, like, I kind of uh, Paul Walker, like that is pretty much Paul Walker's every character. <laughs> I love it. But or, no, no. or Colin Farrell and SWAT, like it's the exact same characters. No, this, it should have been. It, Val, this was Val Kilmer's movie. I mean, I don't know if he was up for the role, but he would have. Hey guys, can we? Uh, are we gonna do? A, uh, you want to do a flash recast of Speed? <laughs> sure, sure. Let's do it. Wait. So, who did Terry pick? Actually? Yeah, Terry. You know, I'm get, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Dennis Hopper with uh, with an honorable mention of Jeff Daniels. Hmm. Yeah, Jeff Daniels is my second pick. Yeah, I mean, he because he's kind of like what they always say about uh, about Dumb and Dumber is he kind of gives this uh, this respectability to the movie just by him being hmm. there that no that that few other actors could have been able to bring. So uh, especially at that time. So that's what I'm going with. Okay. So Ben wants to do a, a, a flash recast. So is <laughs> is this like fine. a recast like at the time or like if they were to make uh, we, it now? It can either be contemporary or a reboot. I don't care. Whatever you guys want to do. Okay. Okay. Well, it, it is kind of interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking about if we were going to do a, a recasting segment. And I did recast the movie, but I recast it if the movie had been directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. So, <laughs> because it does take place in Los Angeles, um, so I cast Mark Wahlberg as Jack and oh Julianne Moore as Annie, and Philip Baker Hall as Howard Payne, and Philip Seymour Hoffman as as Harry, and and uh, Luis Guzman as Ortiz. Which, by the way, that should have actually been the casting in the movie, obviously. No, John C. Riley obviously should have been Harry. Oh, that's true. Actually, you're right. Okay, I changed my vote. You're right, Todd. John C. Riley is as Harry. <laughs> or, or should John C. Riley have been Stevens? 
You know, you know, I'm visiting uh, L.A. for first well, time. That, that no, could have okay, worked. So S- Stevens looks and sounds just like Nicolas Cage. Seriously, and like even with the sunglasses, I swear I thought it was watching Vampire's Kiss <laughs> or, or Dead, no, Deadfall. No, no, okay, no, I'm watching it, and I was thinking Stevens is like, like he is, he is Edward Norton, like, like he, that, like totally, like, like Edward Norton could bit. have could have slid into that character, and you would have still thought it was the same person. You know what's really funny, Terry, is if if one of Todd's trivia questions had been like. Name the Alan Bruck character. There's no way I would have known it was Stevens. Like I know. At, at first, I didn't even know who you were talking about. <laughs> I didn't realize he had a name. Did they say his name in the movie? His, I don't no. Think so. His first name was Cameron. It was Cameron Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Stevens Fry. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> see, I don't get that reference because I've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, yeah. See, 80s movies are are completely over his head. Um. Okay. Anybody else have any ideas for some uh, for some recasting? I, I think I think along with this question, we can also throw in another question we always ask on these, and that is, who would Nicolas Cage play? Oh, he would play Harry Temple because he's good at diffusing some rockets. <laughs> and <bombs. laughs> I mean, could you? I hold on. How about how about how about Nicolas Cage's Howard Payne for a second? Well, the 2019 remake for sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that's I mean, what like, I was thinking yeah. too. I would, I would think Nicolas Cage would be great as the temperamental video guy who's like, "It's taping." Oh, yeah. and, you could get, and, and he could give like the Nicolas Cage face-off expression when he's angrily saying to you know Mac, he's like, "It's taping." That's that's a Nicolas Cage. Role. So, so then who do we? Two seconds of glory. Who do we have as Mac? Because we have somebody like because Mac is. I mean, he. I don't think there's a single scene where he's not shouting. I mean, if it was made today, it would be Courtney B. Vance, wouldn't it? I mean, I almost <laughs> thought I almost thought it was him. <laughs> well, if you see that, the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson version would be Don Cheadle. Yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> but no, I, I it was it was like he, he basically played the character Courtney B. Vance played in in the Mummy. That's true. Uh, the the yeah, remake sure. with Tom Cruise, yeah. Um, what's yeah. it? Did, you know, Joe, Joe Morton's a good actor. Did you ever see that movie where he was an alien that came onto uh, Earth and like experienced racism? Um, I'm trying to. What was the name of that? Do you know what I'm talking about? All it was. It was actually an '80s movie. Um, we, we reviewed Earth Girls Are Easy last week. I know. It's <laughs> ironic. It sounds like the premise for Earth Girls Are Easy, but it wasn't. I'm gonna look. I think it was called Brother from Another Planet. I want to say. Um, uh, that sounds correct. Like yeah, no, this I'm looking ago. at it right now. 1984, Brother from Another Planet. Yeah, that's actually a really good movie. And Earth Girls Are Easy is a good movie too. It is, yeah. Gina yeah. Gina Davis probably could have played Annie. I, I could see that possibly. She would have been too old. Yeah, maybe. You can go her uh, League of Their Own co-star and go Lori Petty. Well, Madonna was originally uh, up for the up for the role of Annie too, but that would have been mm-hmm. just implausible. I got Alexandra yeah. Daddario as the new Annie. 
Wait, so, uh -huh. Zach, you just, like, lied to us. You said the only two people that were considered were these two, but Madonna was also up for it. Well, uh, yeah, I, I lied. I, um, according to the IMDb trivia page, like, a bunch of actresses were up, but, but I'd heard from another source that the only two serious actresses besides uh, Sandra Bullock were Halle Berry and Ellen DeGeneres, so maybe at some point these other actresses were up for it. Like, some of them were ridiculous. Like, I think I, Michelle Pfeiffer was one of them. I mean, like, just sort of inconceivable, so, I don't know, maybe that was at, at a stage of the pre-production. No, I, that was probably, because they were sitting in the room being like, no, she's too hot to be on a city bus she has to be exactly. almost too hot like you have to almost not believe that she would not be chasing down a bus but of course she has to be pretty enough for the bus driver to stop and let her on you know what i mean that, it's that, a fine line now that we're going to the bus driver who do we have as sam who are we recasting as sam edward <laughs> i got edward james almost <laughs> How about Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> Edward James almost is not bad, actually. Edward James almost is a perfect <laughs> Sam. <laughs> For Ortiz, I got Danny Trejo. <laughs> Wait, that, that's the guy with the gun? No, no, no. That's a no, guy. Ortiz, Ortiz is Gigantor. Yeah, Ortiz is yeah, Gigantor. <laughs> hey, that was going to be one of my questions. Carry, carry was, which, guy, which guy was, was Gigantor? That was going to be one of my questions. Mm. The gangbanger would be a guy who is a gangbanger in everything he's ever been like in. Like Tuco? Tuco Salamanca? Yes, that's <laughs> yes. a really good yeah. one. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely Tuco. Yeah, but I don't feel like he's too... He'd probably have a gun, but I feel like a char Like if that guy was casted in that film, he would have a knife. He just seems like way more hardcore. And he wouldn't have hesitated to no, kill No, he him. wouldn't have. He would have just shot him. That's the thing. You have to have a guy who will look like he could be hesitant. He, the, the, that guy was casted as Tuco Salmanca because he looks like a guy who will go from 0 to 100 without any provocation whatsoever. Tight, tight, yeah. tight. <laughs> anyway, let's move on because I almost, uh, I almost really launched into a Tuco Salmanca freaking celebration. So we should probably <laughs> move on. That's one of my favorite all-time yeah, movie, let's, TV Yeah, let's characters. move on. <laughs> And we should go to worst performance, right? Okay, worst performance. I like it. The gangbanger because on the bus who I shot honestly the bus think, <laughs> No, my my answer, and it was no hesitation, was Sandra Bullock. Because <laughs> honestly, I swear there is this like annoying disinterest in her voice the entire movie. It's like, excuse me, are you out of your mind? It's like she has these horrible lines, and she is atrocious at delivering them yes. the entire time. There are... Like you never get there is any indication between that between her and Jack that there's anything romantic there, because it's just so like inauthentic. Like you thought that she was in, like a chick flick or something when she should be half badass. I mean she's driving this bus that is like has a has a bomb, but you don't get that she's actually capable of doing it. But she's doing it anyway just because that's the way the script said it was. I yeah. never got the indication that she was capable of doing what she was doing, and then she's just like, oh, I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm handcuffed. I can't go anywhere. Like I'm just, I'm just gonna sit down and uh, and let this this subway go into the hell. Or, you know, I I don't know. If, nothing about her character was ever believable to me. I thought she was horrible. There were some points where she seemed like a flirtatious junior high school girl. Um, where she was like after when he's when he's underneath the bus and he stabs a hole in the gas tank and Gigantor pulls him up out of the floor, and she goes, <laughs> so she almost dies right. And she pulls him out of the floor, and she looks back at him. Her old, her line is, she goes, "You are such a jerk." <laughs> so like, what? Uh, what? I almost got run over by a multi-ton city bus, and you're calling me a jerk? I'm trying to save your life, stupid. 
and like and then she comes over there and she and she hits him i was like oh so she just assaulted a police officer on camera in front of a bus full of people she's like you're such a jerk you should not try to get yourself run over i was like okay that's a little that's that's a little just ridiculous right there you need to you know dial it back a touch so it sounds like Ben is making an argument for Sandra Bullock to have the highest war and have the worst performance. All I at said, the same yeah, time. I said, I so that's a, which is pretty awesome. Pretty sure, I said she had her moments. <laughs> okay, but that's not Sandra Bullock's it's fault. Not. That's like her character. I mean, she's like eccentric in the movie. You know, she makes jokes when like danger is thrust upon her. You know, I mean, her her license has been revoked for speeding. I mean, this is like a flawed a flawed character. You know, and she's stu- she's done intense studying on relationships that have started under intense yeah. pressure. And that's how she knew like, to base it on sex. She, Exactly. So she's a complex character. So I, I think it's wrong to blame Sandra Bullock. And I think it actually reiterates how difficult a role it is and how few actresses really could have pulled it off as effectively as she does. Okay. That made no sense whatsoever. And guys, honestly, she wasn't in a whole lot of... St- like what it, she was in before, like freaking The Vanishing and, and uh, Demolition Man. Love Potion Man. number nine. Oh, Love Potion number nine. Yeah. I mean, that's... Okay, it's, so... It's cut her some slack. It's the first time... She was, she was performing... With Ted Theodore Logan, okay? She had Terry, who's your worst performance? My, my worst performance, I'm going to go with uh, the guy in the elevator that is uh, giving all the, the little snarky comments. Like, like... And 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 that and that's it because like they're they're like in a free fall and he's... And everyone's like freaking out and he's just standing there and as soon as they stop, what button did you push? And like completely calm and nothing... Yeah. It's like... What are what are the police doing here? I mean, it's like, you know, you He's can freak that out. Guy from Mulholland Drive, like a bunch of shit. Like I know, I know, I know, totally and it totally like is levels. the guy from Mulholland Drive. It's the guy from the back alley in Mulholland Drive. That's the first thing I thought of too, because he just happened to be the last one on the on the elevator. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he has zero reaction except for hmm, what kind of funny comment can I come up with right before I die? Well, you know that that's indicative of I believe. From what I know about uh, human uh, human lifespan development, that's indicative of severe childhood abuse. Hey, man, your freaking elevator you're on just plummeted several stories and then stopped, and you're like, hey, let's like let's try to combat this with humor. What like I bet you that guy like pulled up his sleeve, he would have like so, cigarettes. So, so you're you're telling me the guy water. with two lines in the entire freaking movie made those two. Uh, it's it's it's, he has a it's, backstory. His, it's his 10 page backstory that he wrote <laughs> and it was the character choice of that yeah. uh, that specific hey. actor in a Yon Debont action movie <laughs> anybody anybody who has seen the walking dead skit from Key and Peele knows that extras need to have their backstories they can be confronted at any point with what their backstory is, what their motivation is for this film. That guy has cigarette burns on his forearm from his alcoholic mother, and he's dealing with highly stressful situations with humor because he's never been taught actual coping skills. That that went a completely <laughs> random direction there. All right. That was awesome. That, that was amazing there. All right, Zach. 
You know, on a somewhat related note, I, I, I shudder to say that, um, there is, there, there, there was an article written about five years ago that was an oral history of the uh, passengers of bus 2525. Um, it's from the website Uproxx, and they actually found like uh, 15 of the 18 bus passengers, and they were you know mostly extras or bit players in Hollywood, and they gave extensive like interviews about their roles and how much time and effort they put into them. Um, so if you are interested in these characters' backstories, some of which were quite elaborate and established, I'd recommend checking out that article. Um, I don't think anyone geeks out about this movie, though, quite like I do. Uh, or maybe Ben. Anyway, my... Or the um, writer of that article. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, they say at the beginning of the article they found like 15 of the 18 people, and if you're one of the other three, then contact me. Anyway, um, so uh, that actually also relates to my worst performance, which is actually one of the passengers on bus 2525, who, like Stevens, I don't think his name is actually said in the movie. It's the character of Terry, played by David Kriegel, and he's the guy with the kind of long hair, and he says, yeah, some funny joke, man, when Keanu says that there's a bomb on the bus. He, he has like these, these brief outbursts, you know, when something like non-confrontational is said he immediately wants to confront him he's like so if you have a wife and kids does that make you more important than me man he's like he's like kind of trying to do a Keanu impersonation but he doesn't really do a, a very good job and he's just really annoying and I was I, I always kind of hope that he dies in the movie I, I wish he had died instead of Helen although although she's pretty bad too so so uh I, I it's funny that you say it sounds like he's trying to do a Keanu impression because that kind of sounded like you were trying to do your Keanu slash Nicolas Cage impression there, and yeah, just came bit. across as and and wrong he said this again. actor this this character is such a hypocrite too because he's always casting doubt on on Jack Travin and he's like you know just basically talking shit and then like he's the first one after the bus lands after the jump who's like yeah we made it and you know he's like a poser and again I, I don't know if it's the actor's fault maybe the actor just does a really good job of getting under your skin but if I were Yandy Bont in my European accent I would have said you know settle down a little bit no we less is more with actors yeah. Less is more. We only need you for a few lines, buddy. You don't need to steal the show. Uh, and I think Ben has disappeared. I think so. That's okay. We can keep going. Todd, your worst performance. You can actually give it with uh, being I uninterrupted. Already, he already gives. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sandra Bullock. Did we ever hear Ben's? We should. Re- let's review Ben's performance so far. <laughs> uh, where do we want to go from here? Let's go to, uh... You can go to a favorite minor character. Or MVP. That should be last. That should be yeah. last. Yeah, let, let's go to minor character, because there are a lot of great minor characters in okay. this movie. So, favorite Sorry, minor... Sorry, That's okay. Uh, favorite minor character, that's what we're going to next. So, what do you guys think? What, what was your favorite minor character? Which is basically anybody but, like, the main, the top, like, four or five. Well, for me, my was absolutely the owner of the Jaguar, played by Je- uh, Glenn, Glenn Plummer. I gotta get on that bus. You gotta get on. Yeah, yeah, you get on the bus. Drive straight! Oh, wait a minute, what are you doing? Are you insured? Yeah, why? No, no! Like, he's awesome because he isn't care at all about anything other than his car like he doesn't care that there's a bomb on the bus he's sitting there he, he's like remarkably calm and usually when somebody tries to hijack your car at gunpoint you get out of the car but he just scoots over because he didn't want to leave his car 
Well, he did show me. I think it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, but it's still, he just scooted over it. Like that's pretty badass. And I, I, I don't know. He, like he was, he's awesome. And I wish that he would have come back somehow later in the in, in the movie, even though he crashed his car. Yeah, Toon Man is one of the great characters in the movie. He's also the only other character besides Sandra Bullock who who shows up in Speed Two, um, because he made such <laughs> he makes such an impact. And in that movie, for those of you who've seen it, you know that he shows up on a boat with his girlfriend in a very similar situation to Speed One, except it's on a boat instead of uh, in a Jaguar. But I I love Toon Man too. I think I I think actually Toon Man's a great character because. I don't think he actually cares about his car that much. I mean, I think he, he certainly does, but he also realizes the larger gravity of the situation. And so, like, you know, he admires Keanu Reeves driving. And, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, he, he's, he's okay sacrificing his car for the safety of the passengers. I think that makes him a, a moral person. No, he's not. He was totally pissed off when his door came flying off. And then he's just like, I don't give a shit about my phone. Just take the phone. Like, I'm pissed that my car is messed up now. That's all I cared about. Take the, phone. Take the phone. <laughs> uh, do you think Toon Man works in the music industry? Why? Why is his Vandy plate Toon Man? Probably because he blasts awesome tunes in his freaking V12 Jag, bro. Why else? It's a convertible. Maybe he's a course, record producer. That's that was my question. Like maybe he's in. Is he in the music industry or is he just a fan of music? I bet. Well, driving a V12 Jag, he's in L.A. He's probably a, some level of, in the record industry at some level, a producer of some sort. Th- and coming back to Paul Walker, like I swear, like that exact scene was in the Fast and the Furious, where like he's jumping off of a convertible onto like uh, a, a w- way bigger vehicle. It's like. That, like there were so many movies I, I was like yeah they took that from this movie just a little bit and I just couldn't get Paul Walker out of my head because that's all that I could think when I was seeing Keanu Reeves out the movie. Except, except in Fast and the Furious they didn't have such a such a complete disregard for the vehicle that he just ran the door into an into the bus to tear it off. That's true. And in, and in, and yeah. in it was his car. LA rush hour traffic he just slammed on the brakes and like just hoped no one would run right into the back of him. All right. Well, uh, my favorite minor character, uh, I'm going to say my favorite minor character is uh, the guy in the elevator that gives <laughs> one guy crap. <laughs> it's the worst performance, but also it's like one of the few lines in the whole movie that made me laugh. When it, when it stops, he goes, dude, what button did you push? <laughs> I did tell you to hit the free, free fall button. No, I... Uh, yeah, that, I, I thought that that was a good moment. Even though it was a terrible performance, I, I, I like that character. So, yeah, it's my worst performance and also my favorite character. Minor character. All right, who else needs to, needs to share this? Maybe, uh, so, uh, have Todd and Zach already gone? I, I do. Okay. Go ahead, Zach. Zach. Oh, well, well, a lot to choose from. I love every character in this movie. I really do like... Um, I, I like the fact that there are two characters named Bob in the first 30 minutes <laughs> of the movie. Um, there's Bob, the elevator passenger, or who mistakenly pushes the button and, you know, that gets everyone in such trouble. And then there's Bob, the bus driver, who meets his tragic end. Maybe it's because he's wearing the gloves. I don't know. That, that <laughs> might have led to his tragic demise. I also really like... I mean, we're talking really, really minor. I really like the guy in the background... Um, 
of the of that coffee shop that they're in who's wearing who like he looks like Rambo. He's wearing like a black uh wife beater. Do you know who I'm talking about? And he's like going for the Rambo look and and then he goes outside. He's like really buff, you know, he's he's roided up probably and I just always wonder whenever I see him, like, you know, Keanu should have just been like, look, bro, you look like a beast, man. You, you should just come with me. We're, gonna, we're just going to Hobbs and Shaw this shit, and we're going to take this, this bus down, you know? So I, that, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Um, but uh, let's see, any other random um, characters? There's, there's so many great random characters. I've also, I, as I said earlier, I love the, the, video, cause the videotape guy, the t- temperamental video guy, because you can tell he's really passionate about, like, the, the art of video and making it perfect. Perfect. And um, he's also low-key one of my MVPs of the movie, which I'll maybe get to later. But, you know, he's like, he, he, he's not going to put up with the, the, the fixed structure and uh, deadline of Lieutenant McMahon. So I really dig that guy, too, because he's like a lot of people in video I know that are just very temperamental. And you don't mess with him because he's an artist, okay? Capital A artist. Hey, well, also... I feel like Mac was a little over the top with his sense of urgency. With yeah, like, run, do yeah, it, run, run it, it. Yeah, tape it's a little it. aggressive. Like just like it's <laughs> kind of like that scene. It's kind of like that scene in Pulp Fiction when John Travolta tells the wolf, "Like, okay, can you just say yeah. thank you? You know, like just, <laughs> just, just have a little bit of courtesy. I know we're under intense conditions right now, but just you know what? Just be, just be a little nicer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a but, thank you would be nice." <laughs> Okay, Ben, your, your favorite minor character. My favorite minor character is that lady who tries to get her dumbass off her, off the bus after the rules oh. have been clearly established about who can and cannot get off the bus. Hey, and also, all those friggin' SWAT team members, special weapons and tactics members of the LAPD. Hey, guys, Terry's digging through his ice chest again. Terry's ta- Sorry. He's, t- he's taking allergies. a hit of cocaine, it sounds like. Dude, allergies here. Killing me today. Okay, continue. Sorry. Oh, you're blowing your nose? That literally sounded like you were digging through an ice chest. No, I'm blowing my nose. <laughs> but, okay, all right. So, the Howard Payne has laid out the rules of nobody gets off the bus. These There's a giant, there's enough C4 in the bottom of the bus to do what, Zach? To blow a hole in the world. To, yeah, thank you. To put a hole in the world. So, they're just going to let this freaking dizzy bitch walk up to the fucking front door and try to step off of it? Hey, why isn't, why didn't every dude on that trailer by the SWAT team know that that shot-ass bus driver is the only one getting off the bus? Anybody else, pepper spray them, tase them, shoot them in the leg, whatever you have to do, do not let them get off the bus. But what, what happens? She walks up to the steps, and they're like, come on, lady, come on. Step on that step. Try to get off the bus. The bomb goes off. She gets dragged under the wheels. And just like in Mad Max Fury Road, she went under the wheels. <laughs> this relates to a conspiracy theory I have later. But there, there are also a lot of parallels with Mad Max Fury Road. That's a, that's a good call. And, and just like Howard Payne, and I think they really just realized right then that Howard Payne is not effing around. Do you know that Howard Payne is also the name of a university in Texas? I do. And I think Howard, in, his, in this movie, his middle name is Means. Howard Means Payne. No? You guys didn't like that joke? Why don't you guys if f- he, off? Why don't you bleep that out? You know, if, if Howard Payne had enlisted in the military, his name could have been Major Payne. Hey, oh, so speaking about strange names in the Army, I spent eight years in the Army. When I was a private, I went into this training center. I saw this uh, this second lieutenant named his his last name was Artery. 
like A-R-T-E-R-Y, like artery in your body, that means when he got to the rank of 04, his name would have been Major Artery. There's <laughs> a lot of weird names these days. Shit you like know, that can I only this, happen in the army. Saw this Vietnamese man lady with the, fir- with the name F***. <laughs> P-H-U-K, yeah. They should have a little accent over the U so you know it's Fook. Uh, Fook me, that was fast. Terry's dying. He needs more ice. Get more ice, Terry. Uh, well, my other favorite minor character was Stevens because like yeah. he's, he's totally Cameron ridiculous throughout the movie. Like, Everyone's like super frantic at the beginning, but he's just like cracking jokes, and then he's taking pictures of Helen, <laughs> yeah, or, uh, of Helen getting exploded, and, uh, and no, it was and, it was and, a Sam getting Cap. off the bus, not yeah, Helen exploding. Yeah, the, the same the same scene. He might have yeah, taken the first viral photo. Of it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was thinking like that's way ahead of its time. Like, the, like we're just gonna post that to you right now. <laughs> Did any of you think that you know when when Stevens gets pulled up at the end of the movie by Ortiz and he gives him that great man hug? That could be. That should have been Speed Two. Stevens and Ortiz. That should have been the spinoff. You got Hobbs and Shaw. Now you have Stevens and Ortiz. <laughs> Stevens and Ortiz. Exactly. I it's would like, pay money to like see Rizzoli that. It's like Rizzoli and Isles. Put it on TNT. Make it a series. <laughs> I also think one of my favorite, like, low key, one of my favorite lines in the movie is is Stevens uh, when he says, uh, "We're going to the airport." What's wrong with that? I've already seen the airport. <laughs> That's great. He's such a dick. It's, it's like he was on like a like a ride yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. I've already been here. Like, where's where is Stevens from? That was one of my questions. He, he's from he's from right outside Chicago. Doy, haven't you seen Ferris Bueller? His freaking first name is Cameron. No, I haven't no, seen Ferris hasn't. Bueller. That's actually not a bad guess of where he could be from. Yeah, he's from That would totally make sense. He's from Schaumburg, Illinois. <laughs> That's a real city by the way, in case you thought I made that up. Uh, all right so uh so in a movie like this i think uh i think we need to get into the flaws the okay can i I make make my first entry go go for it ben ben is raring to go okay the freaking opening credit sequence enraged me all right so so you have (laughs) it's so listen right you have this next level compelling Theme, the music gets you into what's happening, right? Right away. You're like, this music, I like this freaking music. Okay, okay, Then okay, all of a sudden... Re- really quick. Yes. The, the opening music, as I'm listening to it, uh, all I'm thinking in my head is, this sounds like Metal Gear just <laughs> alerted someone. Like, Solid Snake just got on alert. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, thought yeah, it yeah. the exact same thing. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, yeah, hey, what, so what does it do? Yeah, hold on. So when you hear that... So when you hear that music... Oh my god, he knocked his camera over. So what does that do? That gives you what? A sense of urgency. So you know there's there's some shit going down when this And then what happens? The introduction is the credits are from some junior high media arts final project. Like what is going it's like on? Clip you created art this in with PowerPoint. It, it, it's the it's the word art in PowerPoint exactly. They use 1995 Microsoft Office PowerPoint word art to create this opening credit scene and it is offensive. For the level of action that this movie delivers, they want to bring that for the opening credit scene. Hey man, get a job. This is Hollywood. This is Keanu Reeves, Jeff Daniels, Dennis Hopper, Sandra Bullock, freaking the 
Mac, the guy from Terminator 2. <laughs> you need to bring it. And you're coming here with your PowerPoint presentation. Freaking get out. All right. Oh, my gosh. Next. That, was, Sorry. that was amazing. Sorry. <laughs> that was amazing because I, dis- I, I vehemently disagree with every single <laughs> thing you said. I think that, that, that's a to- it's a top five opening credit sequence of all time. It is, like, it is it's, not. Oh, it, hey, man. It, 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 I will so create bad. that shit in PowerPoint and record it. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but I think I actually have like a sexual reaction to that <laughs> opening sequence. Like when I hear the music and the camera going down, it's like, oh, baby, let's get in the mood. I, I'm in the mood. It just, it, 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 you know, it pumps me up, you know, like, like the way that Sandy looks at Keanu, you know, it's, it, that, that's the way I look at that opening credit sequence. <laughs> Did you feel like you have to base your relationship with those credits off of sex? Uh, yes, <laughs> that is my relationship with that opening. It gets me in the mood. It's, it's my uh, aphrodisiac. Oh man. Right, okay. Well, more, more flaws. Oh, okay. Are we yeah, flaws, easier? flaws, okay. flaws. I, I, I've got a couple I want to talk about. Okay, so uh, this whole movie, or, or like the the whole thing with the bus, wouldn't have happened if. When, when Keanu's, like, running up next to the bus and yelling at, at Sam to stop, why didn't he lead with the badge? Like, like yes, he, yes, he comes yes. smacking on the door and he's like, he's like, he's like, slow down, stop the bus, stop the bus, stop the bus. And then after it's already passed him, I'm a cop, here's my badge. <laughs> it's like, dude, you yes. lead with the badge, otherwise you're just a crazy person. Okay, so That's that, an excellent point. Instead of cho- instead of choosing to show his badge, he elected to damage city property by breaking that window yeah. by hitting. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so that's one. And then, and then the second thing is, uh, is okay. So, so at the very end, or not the very end, but but the um, Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves, they get off the bus. Oh, good! Everyone on the bus is saved. As the bus careens into a plane, killing hundreds, it's like, oh, thank you, thank you. We are all saved. Let's just let's just kill all these people instead. No one's on that plane. That plane was empty. (laughs) (laughs) It was getting caravaned around, though. I mean, it It was getting taxied back to the back to the run terminal. Another flaw. Thank you for bringing this up. Okay, so <laughs> when this was happening and the bus was driving at a decreasing speed towards that airplane, I thought, okay, so whoever's in that tug is dead, right? But so, he wasn't. So <laughs> apparently, this 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 explosion is so cataclysmic that it sets explosions off on top of the wings of the airplanes. If you watch back, that just there's explosions going off from the tops of the wings. That's how powerful this bomb was on top of this on this bus. And then the dude in this tug jumps out and he just goes shit and then runs off. <laughs> and it's like, hey, dude, like. You just saw you were that close to a gigantic C4 bomb, and all you do is yell and run off without being burned at all. Like, how about another casualty for, for Howard Payne for all the trouble he's gone through? This is ridiculous. I can't, I can't, I can't listen to this. Zach, give me so, your flaws. These are so stupid flaws. I, I, mean, the, no, I, I have a real flaw. Okay, oh, good. Let, let's no, go there are Todd. real flaws. Let's go but to Todd. I, let, let's hear Todd's flaw. Why okay. are you guys expecting me to be serious? Jack's car is nowhere near that bus that exploded. Like, he runs across the street when it explodes, and then it keeps going, and he runs with it for like a couple more blocks, and then the phone rings, and it's like right next to his car, and then you, when he gets into his car, it, the bus is closer than it was when it exploded the first time. I'm like, 
what the hell just happened? Like, that thing went probably, like, you know, three blocks down, and now it's even, like, not even across the street anymore. It's, like, right behind his car. That and is all, a flaw. Also, I would like to have seen what made that bus exactly stop. I feel like it would have hit some other cars and caused maybe a structure fire. I feel like that could have caused, I mean, I, we but were speaking before. it's not moving at the end. <laughs> we were speaking before we rolled about, uh, about falling down and how the possibility of that happening on the same day. Maybe that just happened. Maybe caused some major traffic reroutes in the uh, greater LA area, that led to uh, that led to what happened so, with Michael Douglas. With, with okay, defense. another yeah. another flaw I have is nobody is ever going to consider Arizona a good football program. Yes, I have that and, same flaw. Too. And, and they do. I was going to hey, say that. In defense of Arizona, they have strong engineering programs. <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't he say basketball? Like yeah, good true. basketball team. Good, there are other sports. Why is he thinking about football? <laughs> I However, looked it up. They actually were like ten and two in 1993, so maybe that has something to do with it. But I don't know. I don't know anybody that's on that team. Do you know who who got who played in the Rose Bowl in 1994, the year that Speed came out? It was probably the Ducks. Uh, it was the Ducks. Yeah, Kenny Wheaton. <laughs> Kenny Wheaton's going to score. Oh, the, it, was, the it, was the, okay. it was the Ducks getting crushed by uh, Penn State. Okay, wasn't that's it? not that is not important. Okay, what's John important Carter. is you were is, the one that mentioned the Rose Bowl. <laughs> The Ducks got crushed by Penn State, and then Penn State had to share the national championship with Nebraska. Thank you very much. Yeah, whatever. Um, I do think it's interesting the, the role that football plays in this movie because Howard Payne is not really focusing on the bus. He's watching a football game and drinking a beer while all this shit's going down. I think that's sort of a badass move. I mean, you know, that takes some moxie. And by the way, I want to know what football game is on at 9 a.m. in the morning. I feel like you're you're. He's maybe... in L.A. Like a lot of games are on at 9 a.m. He had like he it's had not a Saturday though. He had like four TVs in the house though. One was like the newscast. One was the football game. Maybe, the, the only thing I can think is that it's it's a rebroadcast of something, which would make sense. But like, why is he watching a rebroadcast of a football? I, I don't know. Hey, if I if, like that he's watching football. I, I like that he's a football. Like three hours. Right? If we're talking minor characters, there was one recurring news anchor. Uh, in in Howard Payne's apartment, <laughs> the guy who talks about the woman being uh, caught underneath, blow, blown up by stepping on the wheels, he's in there two or three times. It's pretty good. Yeah, I was character. thinking. I, I liked him. He, get, he has some real. Oh 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 no! This is terrible. Yeah. Woman, <laughs> this oh is my just, gosh! This is just horrible. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So f- I I agree with Todd's flaw about the Arizona Wildcats. I think it's um I had this flaw in another movie too, but I think it's ridiculous that Harry would get drunk off light beer. I can't remember what other movie also had that problem. Um, I just have a hard time believing that. Maybe it's a mixture of the pain painkillers that he's on. I don't know. Um, well, I know I'm that really s- I know that uh, in hell in hell or high water, Ben Foster's character refer uh, he said that he he couldn't get drunk off beer, or something. Uh, <laughs> Freaking uh, Chris Pine, Chris Pine's character said, "Hey, you need to stop." Me. Or he's like, "He's like, uh, you drunk?" He's like, "No one get drunk off beer." And he just walks back into this house. So it's, I mean, that's a, that's. I didn't know if you were maybe thinking of that one, but that's one of my favorite films of all time, Hell or High Water. I wasn't thinking of Hell and High Water. <laughs> have you seen Hell that? It's a great movie. Well, of, co- of course, I have. Oh, it's it's amazing film. It's amazing. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, Okay, so other other flaws in this movie though. Um, I'm amazed that no one brought this up. There are several like continuity errors in this movie where like you can see crew visible and reflections. I think the most egregious <laughs> one is when um, Harry and Jack get on the roof of the skyscraper, and there's like a third member of the bomb squad. You can see him for like two seconds, and then you like don't see him ever again. Do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. so. 
I thought someone was going to bring that up because that's such a huge like continuity issue. I, I can't believe that the editor of this movie like allowed that in the final cut. But I think it's also sort of part of its charm. It's kind of like how Clint Eastwood is kind of like charming for you know how poorly edited some of his movies are, like the fake baby and American Sniper. Like you know it's so obviously fake. It's like okay whatever. It's kind of like in this movie there are things that are so obviously like you know you can see crew visible in the background and shadows and things like that. What what I like about that though is that it's so obvious that this movie was not like CGI like everything was real in this movie there, there's almost no like after effects in this movie in terms of post-production so I, I kind of commend the fact that you saw you see those little errors throughout and then the only other major flaw I had was at the end of the movie I don't know how that purple spray didn't get on Annie's face instead of Howard Payne's because she 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 transfers the money into the bag I don't know her, how it doesn't it was in her contract She's not putting any purple. You can't, can't put any paint on that pretty face. Sandy, yep. Sandy, it's Sandy Bullock. Come on. I, 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 I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. But I'm, we're, we're pointing out flaws in the movie, so that that would be a flaw. I would have it, it, flaws in a flawless movie, which is a a, a challenging task. It's true. Another flaw is uh, when the fuel starts getting drained, it is you can visibly see it going down. That oh, thing's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah, last sure. more than like you know forty five seconds, but it goes on for like fifteen minutes, and it never actually <laughs> runs out. That's true. <laughs> But some fuel, but some fuel gauges are like that, though. Like you know, they'll they'll just keep going below E. You know, I I had a you friend can watch them go down. Yeah, like <laughs> I I. I my Japanese friend Sho, who was at my wedding, he was my videographer. Sho! Like, w- yeah. Shout, shout out to Sho. Shout out to Sho Gawa. Yeah. I, I, I love you, Sho. He should be on this podcast. He's a big fan of Speed as well. Um, he, uh, Call him up. He once, dro- he once drove me from Lawrence to the Kansas City airport, which is about a 60-mile uh, trip, and the uh, E-empty light was flashing the whole time, like when we left Lawrence, and we drove 60 miles. And then I asked him later, like, when did you get gas? And he said, oh, um, I didn't get gas on the way back. So he drove 120 miles with the emergency with the empty light flashing. So I think it's conceivable. You don't have mountains over there, though. So you're just driving on flat ground. I'm pretty sure EP, <laughs> that's how EPA tests their stuff. Well, the, well yeah, well it's it's flat and <laughs> at the at LAX too. I, I would assume they don't have any uh, hills either. That's By the way, that's uh, oh another, that's another flaw in the movie too. Thanks thanks for bringing that up. There's no way that that last scene is at LAX. LAX, there's no mountains near LAX. That's like true, you can see mountains in the background. Well, they do say that uh, the uh, Briggs uh, says to McMahon that they're at the Santa Monica Airport, mm. even though there's a sign that says LAX. But the Santa Monica Airport is also not near mountains either. Oh, that leads me to another digression that I'll try to keep brief because I know Terry's dying. I've, <laughs> I've always been obsessed with trying to route uh, the journey of the bus in this movie. Mm. Like literally, because I, you know, my wife is from Los Angeles, and I, I tr- I've like tried to go on the highways that the, the bus was on. It never quite makes sense like where the bus goes from santa monica to downtown it's like somewhere in east la i'm not sure but um did, yeah, did just, you try to find the gap you tried to find the gap i did try to find the gap <laughs> <laughs> but the highway at the, at that point though the highway was finished so i think i think they had put in the gap at oh point. okay okay it was other other on flaw. The map yeah the <laughs> map, map. The, the, paper the, map. map. <laughs> the paper map who who knows when that thing was printed they're like Oh, it's, I mean, that, that, that line wouldn't work if he was talking about Google Maps. It says on Google Maps that there's yeah. a road there. It's like, well, the, but it's there, not there right now. The, the, no, this map that was printed five years ago says that there's it's a number finished. Of, uh, there's a number of articles on the internet that uh, explain how that bus would immediately <laughs> drop out of the sky once it left the edge of that uh, overpass. There'd be no, there'd be absolutely no chance. Oh, oh yeah. And even yeah, if it did it, make it, 
It was like a micro yeah. machines. It just like and even if it did make the jump, there's no way to be able to it, maintain it, the fifty mile an hour, fifty mile per hour speed once it landed on the opposite side. Physics, bro. Physics. Well, okay, but hard science. <laughs> well, nice, how, man. Well, I mean, then in that in that case, how could Howard Howard uh, Payne, you know, set up a bomb to you know like have a bus go over fifty miles an hour? How I mean, could this, he do this anything with that ridiculous. horrible like, You can't with that. And how? Yeah, how could he's he only, the only do it person with fingers numbering a nine? Hand. That thing is ridiculous. It looks like somebody stuck a giant Why clay did... wad on the side of his hand. It's like, oh, he blew his thumb off. How could he afford that house? How could he afford that house on police pension and apparently investing a lot in in, uh, in a bomb two years of his life? Yeah, especially up. when he's and trying to look up. for his pension. He's Why trying did to he... secure his pension. He has no money. Why did he create a bomb that has a digital readout of the speedometer? I mean, one, how could he make one that has the speedometer? But two, why why does the bomb need a speedometer, like like a digital pad on there, other than for something for Keanu Reeves to look at? And how did he not know that it went off? Like, I mean, yeah. he has the trigger. How does he not know that it blew up already? He was in the bathroom <laughs> and watching the football game. Yeah, having a beer. He's uh, got all this high-tech shit, but he doesn't know that the bomb that he has a trigger for already went off. You, you know, okay. in between, in between uh, him, <laughs> him fake blowing himself up in that hallway and him, we, us catching back up to him in the bus, he had gone to the doctor and got a couple of CAT scans. He, he's showing early signs of dementia and Alzheimer's. So, I mean, he's not always uh, mentally present. Hey, he's n- poor people. Ben, <laughs> poor yeah. people are crazy. He's eccentric, Okay. <laughs> He's got a rubber hand. Which makes no sense because he's trying to get the money. $3.7 million in the Atlanta. Anyways. I want to know how that lady, like, like that lady with her purse. I don't know how that actually happened. I, I'm still, I, I, I watched it twice. So I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I never, I was watching, I was watching that spot specifically to see if I could see that she had uh, moved her purse. But the only time, the, you only see her with her purse on her lap during that whole loop, like loop the video sequence. Yeah. I, I I was puzzled by that. I mean, she could... I, maybe this leads into the conversation for... Oh, I, I forgot to... Have we done LVPs yet? I can't remember. No, let's do it okay, quick. That, well, that... Least valuable least player. Least valuable player. What's or LVP? biggest douchebag is another name for it. I think I think she's a salt... Do you guys do a racial profiling <laughs> segment on this film? Or on this podcast? Because there's definitely some racial profiling, right? With that gangbanger on the bus. It's like, oh, show the Mexican with the scruffy-looking goatee. He must well, be a bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would, again, go back to the article I mentioned earlier. Is like the, 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 the article earlier about the side characters on the bus, they actually talk about that. They, because, you know, a lot of them are like non-white actors, and they talk about how they were really excited to portray roles that broke stereotypes, and they were given these elaborate backstories and lines, and then they saw a finished version of the script, and they was like, oh, no dialogue. Oh, I'm, you know, the Latino gangbanger who tries to shoot Jack, and oh, I'm the construction worker, and oh, I'm, you know, these kind of racial stereotypes. So, oh, I also don't like how Annie says the line, did we blow up his, uh, what, did we just blow up his country? Like, don't, she doesn't need to be a racist, you know, there's there's no need for that. Also, since you're saying that, like, And we uh, lost Terry. Now we're losing (laughs) all three of them. (laughs) Losing all three. Yeah, but I also, th- it was just, I don't know, I just thought that was, okay, I, 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 I just thought it was very interesting. 
the LVP level, though. The reason I brought up LVP is you that. could say that the Asian lady could be LVP because <laughs> if 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 her purse doesn't move on her skirt, then Howard Payne never finds out that the bus blows up. I would say least valuable player is that dude who invites Ortiz to take it outside <laughs> when they're on a bus that's traveling through the city. <laughs> Wanna take it outside, Gigantor? Hey, bro, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You, you guys are going 50 miles an hour. Why don't you fucking step onto the... Sorry, I swore. Why don't yeah, you I, step onto the cement outside and see what happens? I think that take was it Carrie, outside, my, stupid, my worst actor in the movie. <laughs> just, it's, it's just excessive in, in his delivery yeah, so of lines. You go first. You want to take it outside? You go first. I think my LVP is Captain McMahon because, like, I don't know. He he's kind of worthless. He immediately caves to the hostage taker, and uh, he doesn't really accomplish much. He just is sort of like following Jack around, and he doesn't really do anything or make any decisions. He's just yelling at him, and he wants to shoot Harry. And his advice is, "Don't get dead." <laughs> I like he's completely much the most worthless yeah. captain. It's like Doctor Seuss ever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to say also, you, you could really make a case for the Los Angeles SWAT team being the, the collective LVP of this movie. Yeah, I mean, true. L- let, let's be true. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, they're the reason that Helen dies. They also really show a, a, a shocking lack mm. of care when Jack is under the bus and his rope is uh, like he's about to fall. And they're yes. just standing there like, yo, what's, you know, I'm just chilling. What's going on? And then, f- and then Mac laughs. Yeah. And then, and then like most egregious of all, like, okay, they are in charge of setting up this money transfer in the garbage and they don't even bother to look under the garbage to see that there's a hole in the cement i mean talk about a shoddy job of police work it's a regular uh roadrunner wiley coyote situation it seems like in that, in that particular scene <laughs> okay so this hey this this reminds me of of one of the one of the conversations i wanted to have briefly as we talk about speed i wanted to bring up a debate that zach and i have had for a long time and talking about like the inept police officers in this movie it it reminds me of another movie that has very inept police officers that zach and i have always uh debated on what is the better action movie speed or die hard what is the better action movie i am fully in the camp of die hard zach obviously is fully in the camp of speed todd and ben where do you guys stand oh man I don't. I, like I don't even like this movie. <laughs> 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 I definitely say Die Hard. <laughs> Although I will say Die Hard with Avengers is pretty much a remake of this movie. Like it's it's all just like some stupid game that some guy is playing, and like for some reason the cop is like hell bent on figuring out how to win this game. Like, but uh, the original Die Hard is definitely better than Speed. By the way, I was gonna say earlier when we were talking about it is uh, if Harry is still alive. I was saying I was thinking he should come back and they should make speed with a vengeance and he's the bad guy. Or his brother. Yeah, or his brother. There you go. Gary Temple. <laughs> his twin brother. Or Barry Temple. So why yeah. the hell is he named Harry? Is it because of Dumb and Dumber or is it because of that sign on his desk? It probably the ooh, sign. That's good. Probably, the, probably sign. the sign. Because this came out and the was, same year as Dumb and Dumber, so I doubt it was any referential thing to that. It was just that random. It was that. Yeah, he looked like a Harry. You looked like a cop he, and he a was, dumbass. You look like a. <laughs> it, it was. It was kind of backfired on Jeff Daniels because uh, Jim Carrey. They were going to cast another comedic actor opposite Jim Carrey, and he's like, "No, if we're going to make this an actual like a successful comedy, I want a legitimate actor 
it's starring opposite me. So they're like, okay, well then, Jeff Daniels had just come out with a couple of things. He was in Arachnophobia in 92 with John Goodman. I mean, John Goodman, if anybody is ever going to play... John Goodman in, should have been a, in this movie. ...an exterminator <laughs> in a film, they need to do a case study of John Goodman in Arachnophobia. We, but, uh, ben, don't you think we should do a deep dive of Arachnophobia? Uh, yeah, can we? I love that. No, obviously, right now. But <laughs> honestly, that made me aware of the term with which has haunted me my entire life: arachnophobia. I kill spiders on sight. I don't care how big they are, how little they are. If they are in my home, if they're outside, that's fine. If you're in my home, it's war has been declared upon you. If you're a spider, you just don't get to live. And freaking uh, John Goodman's character in arachnophobia is something we should all aspire to in our spiding killer endeavors. Okay, Delbert. so so I don't know how we got to killing spiders in the bathroom, but <laughs> it doesn't ben, matter. <laughs> speed or die hard. <laughs> Come on, Ben, pick the, pick the right is, answer. He was just stalling. I mean, That's really what was going on. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, I had to I had to, I had to play out. You have you have Howard Payne, you have Hans Gruber, you have uh, John McClane's annoying ex-wife, and you have Annie. Um, <laughs> I would honestly be legitimately the, upset if Annie had been killed. The if wife is his ex-wife had been killed. The wife hey, was such a worse character. She didn't yeah, even take you. his name. That's no, terrible. she didn't. Yeah, of course they Molly Gennaro. Hey, it's McLean. Thank you. <laughs> you, you, have, Ellis. you have you have Stevens. You have Ellis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, come on. That's like, <laughs> yeah, except Ellis. Hey, worst. Hey, worst minor character of all time. Hey, has anybody? And I feel like when. There should have been a standing ovation when his brains got put on that freaking window. Hey, did anybody else want a character to die more than Ellis in freaking Die Hard? Hans, Bubby. Hey, guess what? Bang, you're dead. Like I didn't. I like when he said Hans, Bubby. I was like, I hope he shoots him in the face. Wow. And then what did we see? The next shot was Ellis's beard on the window. All right. So Die Hard or Speed? <laughs> I feel. We're gonna make you pick. Well, you know what? Here's here's the thing. Die Hard did not have Carl Winslow. I think it did, actually. Oh, Die Hard did. did. You mean Speed didn't. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. Speed did not have Carl Winslow. Die Hard had Carl Winslow. And Argyle. There's just so much more lines and Argyle. Yeah. You take your... no, at no time during Speed did, did Keanu Reeves say, I'm going to kill you, cook you, and eat you. I feel like... Uh, Die Hard has to take that. There's just too many moments in there Die Hard. There's too many moments in Die Hard. Jean McClane, all-time action action character. I feel like Keanu Reeves should have stuck with the Speed franchise if he wants to have a fair shake at what John McClane can bring. Die, Die Hard. Hard Die Hard is like a a 1988 version of like a Clint Eastwood movie today. It's like so fascist in its mentality and oh you know bureaucracy and oh the government oh you know it's like oh, it was made during it, the Cold War. What exactly are you saying? Well, I'm just saying it has it has a political agenda to grind, which I disagree with. Of course and it does. It, name name one movie in Hollywood that does not have a political agenda to grind. Speed. What's the political agenda in Speed? Like, it's a movie that is just a—it's an action adventure. It doesn't need the whole like you know. Like let's talk about bureaucracy. <laughs> that your cops aren't getting paid enough in their pension. Like, yeah, that, that, that's the, the entire motivation of the whole thing. <laughs> that's not I gotta true. Be dragged he doesn't under talk a about bus that. And stab a hole in a gas tank to he, get some no, stay around here. That, that's, he doesn't. He doesn't give. He doesn't. He's not like Ed Harrison. He. It's not that he got underpaid. He. He just. He has an axe to grind, and it's a generalized axe to grind because he's crazy. Because he got a watch instead of real money. Have you seen Rampart with Woody Harrelson? <laughs> no. Oh my God. 
I want you to see that and then review it for the Almost Sideways podcast. You have to see Rampart with Woody Harrelson. It's okay. amazing. What are Woody Harrelson's all times? Okay. And highly underrated, by the way. Or in Moverman. Okay, so <laughs> uh, what about conspiracy theories? I know we've talked about a few conspiracy theories, but are, are there a few that we want to highlight? Besides the fact that Harry may not be dead. Even though in Speed 2 he never shows up. Hey, all I'm saying in a movie, if you don't see... In, in a movie, if you don't see them die, they're not dead. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I honestly don't understand why Jack is so concerned with this bus. He already saw a bus explode. He doesn't care about the plane exploding. He has a heart on this, this bus. There's more people this, on this one, bro. Yeah, there thir- yeah, what? There are probably as many as that elevator or whatever. I just... But he's not even that concerned with the elevator. He's, like, so, like... I don't know, not concerned with anything. Like, he's just, like, he's just, like, hanging out with his buddy trying to, like, stop this terrorist at the beginning, but he doesn't... Yeah, he's, he's even really the that one concerned. that says, kill the hostage. I mean, so, oh, I think he said, oh. shoot the hostage. Yeah, yeah shoot the hostage. Although he did not specify where to shoot the hostage, so he could mean shoot, kill the hostage. Anyways, continue, you shoot the hostage yeah. in the head. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, maybe we could do something about them before we actually try to fix this elevator or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. He he puts hundreds of in in danger, but he's also trying to be selfless at the same time, just to save these like people that he's never met and who don't even know each other. And he's like all broken up when Helen like pretty much kills herself because she's a moron. I I don't know. I I never really understand it. Other than that, uh, it's like in phone booth. A ringing phone has to be answered, doesn't it? And that is exactly why the movie exists because he answers that stupid phone next to his car, which wasn't actually next to his car or the bus, but apparently they were all next to each other. If only Ke- if only Kiefer Sutherland were overwatching that phone booth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm gonna say my conspiracy theory is that this uh, this movie takes place on uh, on a different planet where there's less gravity, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's how the bus is able to get across the gap, and that's also how Keanu Reeves is able to drive his car over that hill yes. and fly for like yes. 200 feet. Yes. On his way to the elevator. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the great uh, character introductions in any movie. It's one of the stupidest flying. moments of the entire movie. It's like, okay, oh, you're going to totally be that disagree. kind of it's movie. Like, am I watching totally Speed disagree. or am I watching Duke's? Am I going to see Luke and Bo Duke get out of this freaking police cruiser? Or is it going to be Harry Temple and Jack Trevin? Hey, you I'm know, not sure. In Yandy Bond's commentary in his uh, Danish accent or Belgian accent, he says, I, I wanted to introduce the character in a unique way to show him being different and against, uh, you know. And, and, like, that's a great introduction to the character. But then he didn't uh, do I, that. <laughs> and this sounded like Werner Herzog. Yeah, he did. <laughs> General Eastern European accent. So, um, so I think what we're establishing is Zach really only has, like, three three uh impersonations it's either like <laughs> Werner Herzog or whatever Johnny the hell Nick he Cage. uses for Nick Cage and Keanu Reeves and Sean Connery if it's not one of those he he really Mark just Basham. will borrow one of those yeah that that's Sean the one Francisco. good one you have this movie should have taken place in San Francisco I'm only borrowing your Humvee if if Werner Herzog <laughs> had directed this it would have been a documentary about uh illicit drugs tearing apart America Werner Herzog <laughs> And, and um, his life would have been worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a conspiracy theory I want to mention, too. I, I think that the lady on the elevator who doesn't want to get out and she's really annoying is sisters with Helen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh. And, it, like, she should probably should have lost a foot, right? Yeah. Like, they should have pulled it out just a second too late and she lost that foot with the high heel attached to it. 
I also like, I, I totally love the gratuitous shot of the lady in a thong for no reason whatsoever, but you got to throw in a little flesh in the movie. Hey, it's rated R. Let's just throw it in there, kids. It's 1994. Why would you, why would you not see that? What, are you talking I, about on the elevator scene? Yeah. Yeah, where, where like, he, like, ha- totally has his hand, like, all the way up her dress. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, what the hell is going on hey, there? Guys, <laughs> It's an she, R-rated movie. You can throw it in. She why got not? cast because of that single shot is why she's in that movie. Let's not minimize her, her contribution to speed. The reason she's in that movie is because we all got to see her butt cheeks. I always thought she looked like a, a non-anorexic Callista Frog Flockhart. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anything, any other uh, conspiracy theories we want to go to? Um, in, I think we're good. Uh, Are we good? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or all Zach, right. do you have anything else? Oh, this isn't really a conspiracy theory. I just, when I was nine years old watching this movie, I always assumed that Annie ha- was a psychology student at the University of Arizona who had actually done extensive research on relationships. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I put it, there's a there's a fifty fifty chance that her actual backstory. <laughs> and it, she's it, taking it the bus to get to her job. Hey, wait, she, yeah, she's job. a struggling college student. She's got to pay off those student loan debts. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because it, it's kind of clear she doesn't take her job too seriously because in Speed Two, it's revealed that she broke up with Jack because she felt that Jack took his job too seriously. By the way, have have you seen Speed Two? Uh, no, I. I I don't know. I I don't want to spoil I know the Terry legacy that be... the first speed has established. None of you have seen Speed Two, Todd. You haven't seen it. No. As much as oh I love God. Jason Patrick and Willem Dafoe, I just have not seen Speed Two yet. Uh, speed Two is awesome. As far as I'm oh, concerned, okay. it, if Na- you're talking about Jason Patrick, it doesn't get any better than Narc. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually true. Yeah, Narc is amazing. <laughs> if you guys do an episode on Narc, open invitation to have me back. I'm just saying. <laughs> You need to watch Speed 2, though. Like, you need to see Willem Dafoe and his leeches. And, like, it, oh, he it's has an a, amazing he, he movie. Has a, he has a clan? He has, like, a, he has henchmen? No, he actually has leeches that he puts on his nose. <laughs> oh, shit. I thought you meant, like, he has... <laughs> I thought you meant literal leeches. Is this a stand-by-me moment? Do you find him in his underwear? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, I feel like Willem Dafoe did that, and they just caught it on camera. Like, can we put that in the movie? He's like, I don't care. Speed Two is actually a good movie. It only has a four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's a good movie. But mostly just because I like the original so much, and it reminds me of the original. But All but right. it has it has some good moments, like the bo- the like the boat ramming into the island. And defi- you think that you know, if Terry thinks this movie takes place on a different universe, try watching Speed Two, where a, a cruise ship literally crashes in uh-huh. 500 feet onto land and destroys an entire town because apparently the boat keeps going on land even when the water stops. That that sounds impressive. Yeah, it is. All right, do we have any any other uh, any last thoughts that we uh, that we want to share before you wrap this up? Uh, well, we still got to go to Biggest Stick Man and MVP. Oh, gosh. Oh, we wow. still have a lot to do. Okay. Well, the speed round. No pun intended. <laughs> yes. Yes. In honor of the movie, this is the speed True. round. Biggest Stick Man and, uh, and MVP. Todd, go. I don't really think there are any Stick Man, honestly. Like, I, I would say Jack because he's got that, like, uh, Paul Wagger's... Paul Walker swagger, but like 
I he uh, he said he didn't end up with anybody after that right. drunken night at the bar. So I really don't know, but I mean, but at, like in true action movie fashion, he doesn't walk away from the explosion. He like freaking runs toward that bus that's exploding as he's running toward it, which is pretty awesome. I think that is pretty gives him some serious points. He probably gets some ladies, but uh, my MVP of the movie is definitely Jeff Daniels because he's like the Ken Mattingly of the movie. Like he, he doesn't really have to do anything. He's just like hearing it over the phone. He's able to like tell him how to defuse the bomb, and uh, he literally takes a bullet for the team. And uh, I don't know. I think the movie kind of unravels after he dies, and he generally gives the best performance in the movie. So that's my MVP. Okay. My uh, my biggest stick man is uh, is Toon Man, uh, Jaguar owner. That's a good one. Uh, he, yeah. Good choice. And uh, and my my MVP is Ortiz Gigantor. If there wasn't a big, huge, muscular dude on the bus, how many people would have fallen off the bus without him being able to catch them and pull them up? Like at least two. So I'm going. I'm going Ortiz. Hold my legs. Hold my legs. Um, since Ben left us again, I'm going to go with, uh, the biggest stick man in the movie is the guy at the beginning of the movie, the white collar employee at the, uh, in the, uh, the office tower, because it's pretty clear he's having an affair with the blonde woman. He's like, you know, they're like lovingly looking at each other and she like whispers something in his ear. Like he's definitely getting it in. Um, if you think Sandy looks at Keanu lovingly, like this woman and him, uh, yeah, they got it going on. So th- this guy's clearly, um, a stick man, the, the, the chairman of the board, shall we say. And, uh, my MVP of the movie is, de- I, I gotta go k- kind of abstract here a little bit, but I just gotta say it cause we haven't talked about it at all. And I don't know how we haven't. Mark Mancina's score in this movie <laughs> is unbelievable i love this music i mean i have this music i have the whole soundtrack on my phone i jog to it i wake up to it i go to bed with it i have this music constantly like in my head the whole time and like i mean we could also say mark mancina for like highest war i cannot imagine this movie with any other music this is the the most criminally underrated soundtrack in the history of hollywood cinema it's a video game soundtrack no, it's awesome. It's awesome. It pumps you up. It gets you excited. As as I was saying with the opening title sequence, like I could just li- I I could listen to this music. You know, I mean, I do listen to this music. I probably more embarrassingly than I should let on. But like, it's 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 awesome. Metal Gear. What the? I particularly like the tracks Pershing Square and Rush Hour. Oh man. All right, uh, Ben, rapid fire, biggest stick man and MVP. I'm inclined to say for stick man, I'm inclined to say Harry because he's the only one that actually, like, you know, alleged that he's going to go home and have some sex. Or throw <laughs> good, up. But, good, uh, good point. Or throw um, up, whichever comes first. <laughs> but, yeah, or throw up, yeah. He's, he's going to have fun either way, though, as he indicated. Um, uh, Keanu, he's just... He's the coolest kid on the block. Even if he does, even if he did take a woman home, he's not going to be the guy who's going to come into the office bragging about it the next day. He's too cool for that. He's not got the calories to burn on talking about all the the total tens that he's bedded throughout his entire career as a SWAT officer. Keanu Reeves, Jack Travent, is the stick man for speed. It's just the only time we actually got to see his his betting skills showcased was with his encounter with Annie. But we don't know what happened after he walked his buddy his his buddy Harry out to the out to the taxi, regardless of what he said. He's not the type of dude to uh, to broadcast his conquests. 
Jack Trevin for the win. MVP is going to be Ortiz, Gigantor. (laughs) Thank you. Because I wasn't even here when you said that either. Um, (laughs) But uh, I had to step out of the room. I didn't know you could Um, take breaks on this podcast. (laughs) Well, have some kids and you'll have to step out of the room. Ortiz, because when dude popped up and shot Sam in the back, Ortiz was one of the guys to contain him, control him, get the gun out of his hand, help him be uh, contained so Jack Traven could put the handcuffs on him. Uh, secondly, when Jack Traven is ca- uh, caught under the bus, Ortiz is the dude to reach under the floor and pull him up out of the floor to rescue mm-hmm. him. So he is MVP. He saved any more people from being shot on the bus or killed, and he also saved the hero of the movie. And he He's probably- the hero's... He's the movie hero's hero. He probably also went to the construction site that day and just went back to work. And he went to work because he had to because he he doesn't have sick days. Maybe he was at the site where the subway crashed into Hollywood Boulevard. That's where he was supposed to be working. Maybe Conspiracy theory. It's entirely possible. He's like, I didn't get over there because they just blew up one of my contract spots. Yeah, 203 days without an injury. Back there next Monday for the drywall. Yeah, exactly. They've got to go back to zero because somebody was there. I thought that was going to be one of your trivia questions, Todd. It's too early in the it's it's too late in the morning for somebody to not be at that construction site. You're right. By the way, it totally sounded like you said that he doesn't get any stick days, which <laughs> maybe he. Well, I mean, come on. He you has know, a wife, you, though. You know, Ortiz is laying pipe when he hey, gets home from his construction. I got a job. wife. <laughs> yeah, he does. That was made clear by that other dude who should have been thrown out for wanting to step outside. Yeah, he sucks. Terry, yeah. Terry sucks. Ortiz. What they didn't say is Ortiz has eleven Thanks, Zach. kids. He didn't say that. He should have said, "I got eleven kids." Like, all right, Ortiz. Jeez, you're gonna rub her face in it. Uh, all right. Well, wow. uh, let's wow. start to wrap this up. Um, we have. Uh, we're gonna get to quote of the day here in a second. But before we do, we actually have a uh, a fan question. That came in on Twitter. You can always ask questions for us, uh, and uh, we'll answer them on here. Just uh, use the hashtag AskAlmostSideways. And our fan question comes from none other than our good friend Adam Daly. Uh, He asks the question, did any of you have a crush on Sandra Bullock because of this movie? Yes. What was the... (laughs) Say that again? You cut out. Did any of you have a crush on Sandra Bullock because of this movie? Oh, obviously. Yeah. No. Whatever, well, bro. I never well, did. I, I didn't see this movie until, like, what, 12 or 13 years after it came out when Sandra Bullock was a big deal. So, uh... And you're gonna I don't know. Gonna... If, if, there, if there was a movie that was... that where Sandra Bullock was, was crushable, then this is it. Um, I do he... not agree. <laughs> You're gonna pick Holly Gennaro over Annie. That that that's just an insult. <laughs> insult. Yeah. I think you're I think you're minimizing the uh, the comparisons here. That's not necessarily a a, a Gennaro to well, that's Annie. What, that's uh, what you had a conversation about. You know, all the characters fit into one another. So that was uh, a great question. Yeah, but however, Adam I, Annie, it was a great question. Annie is a Annie is her early to mid twenties. Uh, Holly Gennaro is a mid to late 30s uh, woman who's just been taken through the ringer by a a a loose cannon detective who is 
as as indicated in Die Harder, or not Die Harder, but Die Hard with a Vengeance, one step away from full blown alcoholism. So I mean, she's been dealing with that. So Annie is just some girl who's had who studied at ASU with, for those relationships, and Holly Gennaro has been de- has been married to a freaking New York detective for who knows how long, and she's tired of dealing with his garbage. So I think, I mean, to answer Adam's question, I 100% absolutely had a crush on on uh, Sandra Bullock's character, Annie, that I fully, fully want. The first movie I ever saw her in, because I didn't see Demolition Man until after Speed. But uh, I think as far as, like, hotness goes, I think Holly Gennaro wins. Oh, that's I can't even listen to this. This is this is outrageous. <laughs> She's a woman. Holly Gennaro is a girl. God. She's paying off her student debts, catching a school bus or catching a city bus, Annie. Annie, whatever. Annie at catching a freaking <laughs> catching a city bus to her her social work down at the community center. Holly Gennaro has been taken through the ringer by none other than John Yippee Kaye McLean. When we do the Die oh Hard God. deep dive, I'm going to make allusions to speed all the time. Take there off you go. the digressions. I will say one thing, one thing I did think about as I was watching this is uh, our last two deep dives really would make a great double feature, The Rock and Speed. Why did you guys have me on with The Rock? How dare you? You didn't have me on with The Rock? <laughs> oh, my God. I saw that in the theaters with my parents. They didn't know that sex scene was coming between uh, freaking Nick Cage and the woman who played his wife. Carla. And... To see, my parents, to see my this parents, to see my parents, to see my parents, so my dad, so to give you guys the, the, uh, an idea of, so a sex scene, me seeing a sex scene in a movie theater with my parents, my dad is a Christian pastor, my mom is the secretary of the church that my dad is the pastor at, so then they're sitting there with, uh, it came out what, 1995, 96? Six. So I'm 14. They're saying that their 14 year old son watching a sex scene, and like, I just watch my parents just visibly squirm in their seat, just like, uh, uh. I think my mom tried to reach over and cover my eyes. It's like, hey, hey, man, I'm 14. I know what sex is. It was just really straight. <laughs> it was fun watching my parents uh, feel super uncomfortable during that scene. One of my favorite memories. Uh, and the foobar, right. and the foobar scene from Saving Private Ryan, when my mom asked my dad what foobar meant. <laughs> That was great. I had that same reaction, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up with our uh, with our quote of the day. Um, I'm gonna go first, and I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow a line from uh, from Zach here. I think this this really sums up our podcast nicely. This happens uh, at the very beginning of the movie as they're assessing the situation at the elevator scene, and uh, one of the SWAT officers says. Is there anything else that, that'll keep this elevator from falling? Uh-huh. And Jack's response is, yeah, the basement. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's, that, that really sums up this podcast. Is, is there anything that's the going to keep this podcast from falling? Yeah, yeah, rock bottom. That's what's going to keep it from falling. I'm glad so, I could provide uh, so that So there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Todd, I'll go to you next. All right, mine comes from uh, Howard... Uh, the Dennis Hopper character. He says, "All right, nothing tricky now." And this is, "Don't attempt to grow a brain." And that I feel like does sort of describe this podcast too. <laughs> like, and this don't movie. Don't overthink this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the movie. That's for sure. 
It wasn't a real uh, crane that that from you know, elevator shaft. I, you, guys, you guys are shitting on this movie. Quentin Tarantino said this, this was one of the best movies that ever came out after he started directing. Like, Quentin should be on this podcast. He, he'd be helping me out here. You know, he loves this movie. I will say sure. one thing that this movie does do that a lot of action films don't is just the idea of it being on this constantly moving bus and always having the issues of that. It adds that level of adrenaline and intensity to every moment that no other movie can really provide. I will give it that. Um, however, there's just so many other action movies that are better. Okay. Snowpiercer. <laughs> ben. Sure, Snowpiercer. Ben, give me a quote. I mean, it's... I can't remember exactly what the line before it was, but uh, when they were dropping... When Jeff Daniels and Keanu Reeves got onto the got onto the top of a top of the elevator shaft on one of the elevators on top of one of the elevators not the elevator shaft on top of one of the elevator cars they were describing how the bomb like what the characters of the bomb were if they were to interact with it and keanu reeves just chewing his gum cool as hell it just goes cool right as he like steps right up face first in front of this bomb it's like he just chewing this gum. He, he, I just thought it was very uh, Ted Theodore Logan. It was very re- reminiscent of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It was a one single line. It stands out as my favorite line because he was so nonchalant about disarming a bomb that was right in front of his face. Just like if you do this, if you do this, this or this, it will go off. Cool. Well, you you got it about eighty percent right. Eighty is good enough. That's a B. 80, that's a B. 80, I mean, like that's a B. Maybe more like. 20% right. Actually, it's when it's when Harry is, is talking about what will happen once Jack retires. You get, you know, the pension and a cheap gold watch. Cool. Yeah, but that's when he's dropping. He's right. Isn't he right in front of a bomb when he's uh, when he's saying that? Well, he's in front of the elevator. Yeah, but he's not really diffusing a bomb. He's putting the hook on. I'm the watching elevator. this movie on. OK, so I'm watching the movie on mute right now. And there is a scene. Yes. Listen, listen to me right now. So it's a scene. And Atlas is in all lowercase. It's in cursive on his jacket. Yep, is that yep. his name? It no, it's, well, name, it's right? it might be Atlas Security because there's a giant. I think I've always there's thought a of giant, it as his like name. red and black picture of the of the globe on his on the shoulder sleeve. But but that's a name tag. It, it yeah, should it be like yeah it should be the place where a name tag is. The freaking it's it looks like somebody just wrapped his hand in latex because you can clearly see the top of his thumb. And it's just like, it's like, that's still an entire hand. That looks like somebody stuck half a hand inside of that hand and then wrapped it in a bunch of prosthetic. You need to see this. It's so bad. It's so bad. His hair is great, though. All right. Zach, quote of the day. My line also describes this podcast, and it's at the beginning of the movie when uh, it's the stick up in the elevator, and uh, it's when um, you know ter- uh, Harry is tell- telling Jack to shoot him, and uh, Howard Payne says, "We got all the balls in the world here, man." There are, th- and that also describes there are this several balls here. That's true. <laughs> uh. I forgot. Uh, we don't have to do this category because I, at this point, the this podcast episode has run longer than the movie. I think. That's, but, uh, that's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe for all three of you fans that are still listening, um, I wanted to do the category of who did the most drugs on set. That that would have been a fun category to do. But we'll leave it up up to you kids to figure that out. Uh, tweet us at almost sideways Terry. It was it was Dennis to, uh, Hopper. Almost side Terry. Dennis Hopper was almost dropping acid in his trailer before they called him out. More than Keanu? Yeah. Oh, no. I'd, maybe than, he was in there with Keanu dropping. Maybe they were dropping acid together. Do you know that if is the middle word in life, man? Maybe he was talking about that. 
<laughs> and with that, I think we're going to bring this podcast to a close. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Ben, for being here as our as our uh, guest on this uh, deep dive. I hope I didn't ride this into the rocks too hard for you guys. No, j- just took us right to the basement. That's all. But thank you for having me. <laughs> oh yeah. I would rather a, it, it, it versus you guys crashing into the basement. I would rather have it the demise of Emilio Estevez in the first Mission Impossible. <laughs> yes. Also elevator yes. oh, and also elevator related death. Yes, but this, way uh, more absolutely. gruesome. This podcast was like you know, uh, Todd, Terry, and I are like Sam driving the bus. He gets shot, and Ben is like you know, uh, Sandy swooping in. You know, no qualms at all, just taking over the steering wheel. I was really hoping you would say I'm like Helen and trying to step off onto the SWAT truck. Oh, that's true, true. Could be. <laughs> I think that's like our listeners trying to escape. <laughs> what about the rest of us? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review there. Uh, if you don't have iTunes, uh, I have a I have an Android phone. I find us on Podcast Addict. You can find us on, a, on other apps like that that access the iTunes library. Uh and uh, yeah, make sure you uh, you rate and review. That always uh, helps us out. When you review, we will read it on the podcast. Um, find us almostsideways.com. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. The information to that is in the uh, is in the notes to the episode. Uh, we'll be back probably next week with another podcast. And until then, uh, have fun watching movies. Despite your cross behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.